Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produced the Sterling, quote, pro football net point power rankings for all of those who don't know about it and the bias plus reports. But this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. If you don't know about it, hopefully you're watching this video. You will know about it and you'll begin to watch us on a regular basis. We're on weekly. We go week by week through the entire NFL season. And we have a multitude of information to give you that may help you with watching the games, playing fantasy, so on and so forth. Not to mention if you're a DraftKings guy or a, a, a better of any kind, hopefully some of our information can help you. Yes, yes, yes. And the reason that uh, we're so excited is we just had one weekend of football. <laughs> and I want to start by saying I had to remind myself of our own philosophy or our own saying, which is that that first quarter or so of the season is the second preseason. <laughs> I had to remind myself because I was beginning to try to make some judgments and I said, I think I'm gonna hold back a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, because, because we understand that already, you know? And so some things, you know, I saw drop punts and, you know, little hiccups here and there and, you know, lack there of- There was more than little hiccups. There was some big hiccups. <laughs> we, yeah, there was a tremendous hiccup. Um, and so I was like, okay, all right, we already know that what, you know, it's like, it's like in a hundred yard dash. Some guys start off a little bit better than others. Some guys, by the time they hit the 20, 30, they're in stride a little bit. Some guys take to about, you know, the 50, 60 before they really rocking and rolling. You know, it's not, a, if it's a hundred, not a 40. You understand what I'm saying? Season is 17 games long. So we already said first five games are going to be considered the second preseason since we lost one preseason game. So um, it, it happened. And, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. Up to this point, tell me, tell me what you saw about what well, happened. Well, in, in response to what you're saying about the second preseason and maybe the, the first four games or so being the second preseason, especially now that there's only three preseason games instead of four, um, I feel like the first thing I noticed was, I believe, most real football fans had some preconceived notions about certain teams in the league, certain offenses and certain defenses. And I would have to say that for the most part, the offenses are a little bit ahead of the defenses. And in some cases, it's been fairly surprising. I saw that's some- kinda, That's kind of not normally the way it is too. Right. Normally, under normal circumstances, advantage in the beginning, you would think defense would have the advantage. Yes. But you got to remember, again, as Ron Jaworski likes to say, it's a quarterback driven league. It's a passing league. All the rules are slated toward high scores, okay, which puts the defense at, an at a disadvantage. On top of that, you got these so-called genius head coaches and offensive coordinators that are coming out with all kind of crazy schemes and formations. It's a lot for defenses to digest. So personnel-wise, you might look at a defense and say, oh, yeah, these guys are tight. They're going to be nice. 
then you see them play a game and you're like, how can they be getting exposed like that? But hey, these offenses are, they're coming out of the gate rolling. Uh, yeah, well, there has been some scoring going on. There's no doubt about it. We're going to talk a little bit about that um, as we share the Sterling net point power rankings. Um, so we had a Thursday night game. We had a Monday night game. We had overtime, all that kind of stuff. You want to just jump right into the the, the rankings and, and, and go through there? You ready? Yeah, let's talk about the rankings. All right. We're going to start off with top 10 now remember you can find the sterling net point power rankings on facebook just look up sterling net point power rankings you'll take you right there turnover differential we're going to talk top 10 benny top three tie dallas cowboys new orleans saints and houston texans let me say this about the houston texans <laughs> During the offseason, when things were going on and they were making their changes at coaching, I, I mentioned a couple times, you have a brand new coach and you have a black coach and nobody's even calling him a new black coach. They're just, you know, they're just this coach, new coach over with the Texans. And they've been bringing in talent and we've been tracking some of the talent that they brought in. They got Ravens on the squad. And I remember even being a little surprised with all the, quote, turmoil that the, the people who were quite willing to go there and sign up, you know what I mean? To play for the Texans, everybody, of course, except Deshaun Watson, who wanted out, you know, and that did not seem to be uh, a factor for him, you know, that, uh, you know, you got a whole another level of coaching and things, you know, new regime, basically, there and some new talent, things of that nature. Well, you know, they came out and did their did their thing, man, and and I was you know I was very pleased to see that you know I was really pleased to see that so you know that's I just wanted to mention that that was one of the surprises for me uh, of the of the weekend. Is let's remember who Houston was playing, a rookie quarterback, albeit the number one pick overall in the draft. Trevor Lawrence did throw three interceptions, so there you go. Uh, hey, 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 kudos to to um, Texans defense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We said last week that it looked like even matchups. There are a lot of even matchups. You know, we had a few that, you know, looked like an even matchups that were a surprise. All right, let's see. Uh, next up, points against. All right, look who the top three squads are. If if you if you take the ties into account, you know that number three spot is shared with, with the Broncos and the Cardinals. You've got the Saints, only gave up three points. The Eagles only gave up six. Broncos, Cardinals, both gave up thirteen. Rams, Panthers gave up fourteen, and then every from any everyone from seven to ten, the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Chargers, and the Seahawks gave up 16 points. So these are your top scoring defenses in the NFL as of this past weekend. And when you say top scoring defenses, let's remember we're talking about points against, right? Absolutely. Right. So, um, wow. I would say right off the top of my head, I expected the New Orleans Saints to be pretty good on defense. 
up front and in the secondary. The Philadelphia Eagles are expected to be pretty good up front, pretty good against the run, but maybe have challenges in the back end. They proved me wrong in this first game. Uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Denver Broncos also expected to have a really good defense. They gave up 13 points, but 13 points isn't a lot in the NFL uh, when you really think about it, especially, again, because we're talking about the offense is being really souped up and all the rules kind of being slanted toward the offense. And I'm just going to talk about the top five. Obviously, at number five, the Rams are expected to be a top defense or possibly the top defense of the league. And the Arizona Cardinals are a little bit surprising, really strong up front, not real strong on the back end, but played extremely well this past weekend. All right. All right. Next up we have, hope I'm going in the right direction, net points. I didn't want net points. I wanted points for... You're gonna have to do some editing on this, John. All right, we're gonna pause this share. We're gonna pause the recording. Still recording. Benny, who do you think? was the top scoring team this past weekend. The top scoring team. Uh, I'm going to take a real fast wild guess and say the New Orleans Saints. You know something? That's not a bad guess. That is not a bad guess at all. Top uh, 10 points for my Beloved, San Francisco 49ers. I am not surprised. I got so much to say about this, but before I do, let's make sure we give the top 10 their due here. Because two and three are tied at 38 points scored. That's the Saints and the Cardinals. How you like them apples? Uh, not surprised about the Saints. I've been trying to get people prepared for famous Jameis. In a new offense, it, it's it, it's bearing itself out. I'm just telling you. And there's a lot of folks out there that said this is the year Kyler Murray's going to come into his own. Obviously, it's just week one. We don't want to get too excited, but there you have it. Those are big numbers. Texans didn't play a great team, but they had a great game against that team. Scored 37 to take the fourth place. And round out the top five, the Rams put up 34 on those Bears. <laughs> oh, man, that was an interesting game. So much controversy with that. Your next three spots, six, seven, and eight, are your Raiders, Chiefs, and Lions. I'm going to talk about these Lions a little bit. Um, at 33 points. Eagles put up 32, and Tampa Bay rounds out the top 10 at 31 points. So these are your scoring leaders for the past week, for week one in the 2021 season. Let me say about my Niners. Um, remember last year, you're the fantasy guy, I'm the man guy. I played 
like a season within the season right and um the the game diverged from real life in that within the game your injuries and things didn't reflect what was actually happening on the field in real life so this year i wanted to to make a change in that and just to get going i, I just decided i'm just going to play against that team right so um the lions game so interesting the score the end score was about the same the stat that was also about the same was the number of turnovers that the 49ers had which somewhat enabled <laughs> the lions you know to uh to get back into that game and try to make it look like a game that game should have been done you know what i mean so um yeah, 41 points is something to be proud of, but uh, we'll talk about the next category, which is really what it's all about, and that's the bottom line. What do you, you have anything for the points for? No, we're good. We're good? Awesome. So, Niners, top-scoring team. However, what we value is that differential, the difference between points for and points against, otherwise known as the sterling net points and the power rankings that we have off of it. So let's take a look at that particular chart for your top five. Numero uno, New Orleans Saints. All right, so Ben, Ben, what's your take on the breakdown with the Packers? The, the, my take on the Packers breakdown, meltdown, breakdown, I I don't I tell you the truth I don't have a take I have no clue I don't want to say uh, it was a preparation thing because let's face it it's the NFL man Lafleur has has proven that he knows how to prepare a team for a game especially week one I mean once you get past the first two preseason games get to the third preseason game. You're already watching film and preparing for week one. But they did not look prepared. I can't even say Aaron Rodgers played poorly. I mean, it looks like he played poorly. But a lot of that is a reflection of the defenses that were thrown at them, the pressure that he got, the lack of uh, being able to really get anything going on, on the ground. It's a lot of factors as to why they lost the game, but as far as why they completely broke down and surprised just about everybody, nobody can truthfully say that they predicted that the Packers would get smacked around like that. Nobody. Okay. I tell you this though, they will bounce back. They'll be back quickly. Well, you know, interesting that you say that because um, I had mentioned the the Lions, and uh, I think I think the Lions are going to be a little better than what people think. And I think that if you have a good tight end in the NFL right now, you can be competitive offensively. You know, it really is the setup position for everything else. Now, if you and you look at the Raiders situation. You know, with Waller, it's like y'all gonna have to defend him. 
and then everybody everything else will fall into place we'll take advantage of all of your <laughs> issues trying to deal with that guy um Jameis, i saw him run the ball effectively and slide i mean just looking just so confident in doing that you know i saw him use the pocket throw short throw deep you know what i mean and i was truly impressed that he was really ready aaron pretty much missed the entire preseason right yes so uh again being the second preseason um you know uh, hold off on getting on, on you know being too judgmental and like you said that you know they should bounce back people expect that the lions are going to be the bounce back team and i'm mm, having some some thoughts about that if you're not when ready you say the bounce back team you mean have a bounce back season as opposed to last season no i mean be able to come and, and after losing so badly to the saints win that game against their next game, which is against the Lions. And now things are, you know, kind of evened out, you know, you're starting this, you know, that's what most people think is going to happen from what I understand. We'll talk about the matchups a little bit later. Um, the Eagles played really well. Jalen Hurts looks like, you know, he is the quarterback. There shouldn't be any question about that. You know, um, he looked very much in, in command and control. Um, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, still darting around, sometime a little more than what I want him to, but he's dynamic, no doubt about it, man. And uh, the Rams, you know, this was their first game with Matthew Stafford, you know, so, it, you know, he looked he looked like he was settling in nicely, you know. Have you heard anything about this so-called, both of them having one of those, uh, what do you call it, memories, uh, photographic memory? My, my memory is so bad, I don't remember how, what the photo, word photographic, <laughs> that term anyway. Um, did you hear about that? And, and supposedly they're like on a mind thing because they both have that going on, well, photographic that, memory. The Rams head coach, Sean McVay, has been touted for some time now as having a photographic memory. I don't know uh, the exact definition of photographic memory, but off the top of my head, like anybody else, I would probably say, it means he remembers a lot of stuff and he remembers details. And remembering details can be important. This guy's bounced around a little bit. I believe he comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. Um, he's very intelligent, very offensive-minded, um, borderline so-called genius, and they throw that word around quite a bit probably a little bit more than they should. Um, I hadn't remembered hearing that about Stafford, but I can believe it. I can believe it. All I know is I know Stafford is in an offense that agrees with him. He has a head coach and a play caller that understand his skills and is gonna put him in the best position to be successful and he has real weapons across the board. That I know. Even with the that's, loss a, of that's enough for me. Yeah. Even that, with that, the loss of their running back, I agree with him. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they lost Cam Akers, and I was really upset about that because I think Cam Akers, and I still think he's going to come back and be a dynamic running back in this league for some years to come. But I was really, really looking forward 
to watching him play this season. Um, Henderson is a good back. He's not Cam Akers, but he's a good back. And let's face it, he's good enough that he basically was the starter between him and Malcolm Brown last season that kept Cam Akers on the sideline. So Henderson is no slouch, but yeah, I was looking forward to seeing Cam Akers. Ah, yes. Um, The Texans, again, net points 20. That's a good, strong showing. um, I'm sorry, that's the Rams net points was 20. Texas net points 16. Broncos plus, these are all plus 14. I do remind people net points and uh, turnover differential are the two stats that go both positive and negative. Uh, Seattle Seahawks was what was Russ cooking this weekend or what? Russ was cooking. <laughs> Whole team was cooking. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And lock it. Oh my goodness, who is that guy? <laughs> I'm telling you, um, Teddy. Teddy came out and did his thing with the Broncos, you know? Um, like you said, good team. You, you was like, watch out for the Broncos, you know? I did, I did say that. So, you know, a, these seasoned quarterbacks on new teams had pretty decent days if you look at the Texans uh, with, um, was it, uh, what's his name, Tyler? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod, yeah, yeah, right, right. Tyrod Taylor, you know, and then um, – you know, with the Broncos, you know, T- Teddy comes in and, and looks pretty good. Now, Seahawks plus 12. My Niners were the top scoring team, but they are in seventh place in net points. And this is why we do net points. And this is why we say no opinion, no conjecture, because that is my beloved Niners with plus eight. And that's not voting well for them in the game coming up against the number two squad. And we'll talk about that in the bias plus reports and and how those matchups get calculated. Um, But Ben, on the the game, I gave myself a second preseason. Because remember I said I had dropped down to the all pro, right? And, and, and I wanted to mention, remember you were saying there's something you just learned like in your computer, oh, I can go from here to here and do that. Right. I'm still at that point on the game where I'm still trying to figure out. I just figured out how to find, like, if I'm uh, in shot, want to go in a shotgun formation, I might have 10 shotgun formations. And I was like, couldn't figure out how to find the one one during the game as quickly as I needed to. And okay. At some point, I was practicing something and it popped up and I said, oh, I got to click that first and then that. And then okay. they were all there in front of me and it just changes everything. So, yeah, you know, um, the, uh, the, the, the first five games is the second preseason, and then I go all Madden from that point out. So just, just putting that out there for my Niners. Also, um, so sad, my man Raheem Mostert out for the season. Oh, man. Let, let me tell you something, Benny. 97 speed closest fastest person on the team i think is a 91 speed on the game that's how much faster he is than everybody and the things you can do with that um you know it's up to your imagination when you have that type of a speed advantage over everybody on the field you know you look at tyree kill and and the damage he does but okay now i have to figure out 
how to play the season or play the, you know, from going forward without him. And we turned to Elijah Mitchell. I'm like, oh, we got a Mitchell on the squad. Okay, let's see what's up. Wow. He ain't no mostard. He let, ain't let, no mostard. Okay. Let me, let me just let me just remind people of something. And again, I'll, I'll harken back to some things that I've said in the past that people may have heard or may not have heard. Number one, Kyle Shanahan has an eye for running backs. Okay. Kyle Shanahan finds running backs in the freaking bushes. <laughs> this dude, and not to mention their run schemes, and I talked about this just last week, their run schemes are set to the point where they are so confident that I could go back there and put a damn Niners helmet on and get 10 yards, okay? Where do they get these dudes? Remember Jeff Wilson? He's oh. hurt right now, but remember when Wilson stepped in? Yeah. Remember when McKinnon stepped in? Oh, yeah. These guys just pop up and go. Jamichael Hasty. Nobody knows these dudes. But what's the, what's the guy's name? Sermon or whatever? Sermon? Yeah. And yet Trey Sermon. Well, he hasn't got his shot yet, but he will. In this offense, I mean, obviously they got to have some skills. But in this offense, he can make you a star. The next thing is, just like you had to make some changes in Madden, I had Mostert on a lot of my fantasy teams. Oh, the did you? The reason I did that was because I know I trust the Niners' run game, and I know Mostert's skills. And his average uh, draft position on most fantasy drafts was relatively low. Really? Far below the guys like McCaffrey and, and okay. Z and Cook and all. So I knew I could draft receivers and still get a really good running back that I could start most weeks by grabbing most <laughs> late in the draft. Awesome. So I call myself being smart, and the guy gets hurt in week one. Bro, that set me back. Now I'm, I'm scanning the waiver wires for a replacement. I was able to get Elijah Mitchell on a couple of teams. Okay. I also was able to get uh, Tyson Williams from the uh, Ravens on a couple of teams. But I went searching that. I searched him out real quick as soon as J.K. Dobbins went down. But I don't want to I don't want to get too far into uh, in the fantasy right now. But, yeah, I, 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 I feel you when you know when your star goes down and you're expecting to have a nice, long, uh, productive season out of this guy and he goes down week one, it really throws you into a little small little panic. You know, there's a, there's a, in, in the execution of the play, the timing changes so much when you got, when you go from a guy that's running at a 97 speed, top speed to a guy that's 90, you know, and, and you're much, you feel much more like an average running team. Like everything, like if you pop one with most of nobody's catching him. It's not even a question, you know, but Elijah Mitchell, I, I, again, um, I, I was able to make some of those adjustments and, and you know, with him. And you got to do what you got to do. That's why I like playing with the team. You know, a lot of times when we see those competitions, you know, they got all-star squads, what they call the, the mutts or whatever, you know, the greatest people. And both both teams always seem to have. Randy Moss? Randy Moss. Oh, that, dude, don't even get into that. You, why are you even talking about this? You don't even like that. Well, that's why I'm saying, because that, that's why I'm pointing out the difference between right. having to play 
with the with what you got, with the deck of cards that's being dealt to you and being able to, to play with that. And you do that, you know, with your flag team. I mean, you got to play with who you got. You know what I mean? You can't, you know what I'm saying? And you got to you got to put it together for them. And so, you know, that's what it's like. Um, speaking of the last two uh, um, in the top 10, nine is the Steelers and 10 is the Raiders. Did you see that game with the Raiders? Yes. Great I, game. One of the best games of the weekend to watch. I, I had to that game. I, I had a long conversation with my son about that game because I was not feeling like Lamar Jackson had taken was showing that he was really you know, improved as a passer. I didn't see it. Um, but I had to, you know, and, and he, his thing was, well, his receivers aren't that great. You know what I mean? So, you know, um, he, you know, they're not doing certain things and it's messing him up as a passer. I, I, I had a question about that. His receivers, he don't have, he don't have Tyreek Hill and he don't have Kelsey. That's for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I went back and watched the game and the way they run their offense, they're, they're still so option oriented, you know, that I don't think he'll ever really advance as a passer in that offense. He can throw the ball, no doubt about it. You know, that he's got, you know, all of the talent in the world, but it's just the way they run things out of that offense, you know, even to the point of, you know, optioning him, you know, as a runner, which, you know, is going to be interesting because I think this is his contract year. So when he signs the half million dollar contract, I'm wondering, are they still going to be running him up the middle like <laughs> when he signs that contract and gets half of that guarantee? <laughs> well, uh, let's not get too carried away here. Five minutes haven't gone by that you just said that you have to set your team to fit your players. Right. No. That, now I understand there's a certain amount, a certain amount of balance in both. But what I'm, I'm I understand I'm that you want to see him progress as a passer. I understand that. That's all. I want to see him progress as a passer. Also, I believe he did in fact progress as a passer last season. But in this particular game, he looked a little funky. I'm gonna give him a pass because I saw what he did last season. I don't want to run and go searching for stats or anything. This guy threw for a really great number of touchdowns last season. Threw for them. Okay? He was way up there. And his, and his, his uh, completion percentage was not terrible. I believe he was top 10. So he can do it. But in this game, just like Mr. Rogers looked like Mr. Goofball, it's one week, one game. So I'm going to give him a pass, and I'm going to keep watching. You know, the um, Cardinals were being, you know, uh, sort of accused, or they were saying, well, they're bringing that college stuff when they came in with the air raid, you know, to the NFL. But the most collegiate offense out there is the Ravens. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> you know, as far as I'm concerned, everything is pistol. Everything he, they got him spinning 360. I see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. So, you know, 
that 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 does impact you now it opens up certain things you know because again you have to adjust your whole offense to figure out how to make sure that this guy doesn't take it 80 on you <laughs> you know what i mean so it, it, it there's a pressure there and i, and I definitely understand it uh, i think the, the the interesting thing about when james ran is i just felt like he did what i i generally recommend is take advantage if the opportunity is there take advantage if they give you 10 yards and you need five take it slide and set up and let's go you know what i mean it, it's not even you know but that's that's just running with intelligence. So um, I just hope that, you know, they don't. Again, we're, we're talking about a guy who is not a runner by any stretch of the imagination when you talk about Winston, who is only going to take off when he can't find anybody and he sees some green grass out in front of him. And as soon as he sees a different color jersey, he's going to hit the ground, as opposed to a quarterback like Lamar, who basically has a full-time green light. Now, Lamar, for all the improving that he has done in his passing, he still has a ways to go. He understands, I believe, that he's not the guy that's going to fit stuff into tight windows and make that long, high, arcing, pretty, you know, perfect spiral for a bomb and all that stuff. He knows that's not what he does best. So if that doesn't come for him, if he has to make a pass like that, he's going to opt to do what he does best, which is take off and run. This is what his third season. I haven't seen him take a hard hit yet. Oh, then you missed so, a couple. You missed so, a couple of the hits during that game. He has he had hard. one hit that I thought he to got myself, one where he got kind of dumped he on his head. His neck. He, he got dumped on his head because he tried to stretch himself out at the last minute. Oh, after that's, bad. that's a bad hit. Okay, bro. So. It's uh, you play 16 games the last two seasons. That's 32 games. And this game plus playoffs. And he took one bad hit and it wasn't even bad. He popped right up. Only takes one. I know that. So that that's that's where I we know go that. right then. Um, OK, OK. But every time the Ravens come to your field. That whole week, you're trying to scheme up how to stop this boy. I'm not and saying that he's not a dangerous nobody's done it yet. weapon in the way that they use him. Because I, I've never said that, you know, but I have said, you know, what the Hall of Famer said. Now, I know a lot of good young running quarterbacks. I don't know a lot of good old running quarterbacks. So I'm you just looking have- to see if he's making the progressions that's going to keep him in the league for the next five to 10 years. That's, that's what I want from him. And that progression is for him to be able to throw the ball a little bit better from the pocket. That's all I'm talking about. Okay. That's fine. But I've seen him do it. It's not like he never did it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he can't do I've it. I've seen him do it. But we so, haven't seen, we haven't seen him. And this is what I'm looking for, Benny. Okay. It's crunch time. And and everybody, you know, and you got to throw the ball or you're going to have to run for 70 yards. So you really it's time to throw the ball and everybody knows it. That's right. what we're looking. That's what we see from Mahomes. You know, they got to throw it. Everybody knows it. Oops. He just went 75. What happened? You know what I mean? That's 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 where his next step is going to be. That's that's the next hurdle. You know, it, when it comes crunch time and then you're in that high pressure game. And, you know, he's he's done some of that, you know, when when he came out of the bathroom, he threw a nice touchdown <laughs> last year. When he came out of the bathroom. <laughs> All 
right, <laughs> that was too much fun. Anywho, let's get ready. Um, week one is in the books. Let's hear from Ben uh, with Ben's weekly recap. <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it? <laughs> so, week one has just passed the 2021 season. First of all, I'm thrilled that the NFL is back. I'm sure everybody else out there is too. So let's go over some of these games and let me give you a quick recap of what happened. I'm not gonna give you all the stats of everybody. I'm gonna give you some opinions, I'm gonna give you some information and I might throw even, uh, even throw in a couple of little fantasy tips. So week one, let's start off with the Thursday night game, the very first game of the season. The Dallas Cowboys went to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers won the game 31 to 29. So the big question in this game was would the Cowboys offense be able to put up points at the same clip that they did last season before Dak got injured? Obviously, it looked to be quite a task against the Super Bowl champion defense of the Buccaneers, but it didn't take long for me to declare that, yes, Dak is back. His arm strength may be a little in question because of the shoulder injury that he had in training camp, uh, but his ball placement was definitely on point. Unfortunately, the Dallas defense looked no better than they were last year, and the boys gave up um, a ton of points. Uh, they gave up on the run far too early offensively. Uh, Zeke basically had no rushing yards to speak of, uh, far less uh, than I would like to have seen him get. And although the game was close throughout, they still continued to not run and continued to throw the ball, and they couldn't get the final TD to put the game away. Not to mention that they left, because oh, by the way, they needed the final TD to put the game away because they were actually ahead. With less than two minutes left, they were ahead, could not score, gave the ball back to Tom Brady. If you give him between a minute and a half and two minutes, guess what? You're in trouble. Yeah. Now. Especially if all he needs is a field goal. Absolutely. You know what I mean? His, his entire his entire career is, is field goal wins. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's okay. It's that, amazing. Especially in big games. But they're wins, and, and that's so important. That's why we do net points, man. And, you know, but you're so right when you said about 2020, because I'm sitting and looking at going, mm, this looks like deja vu all over again. Hey, if even if you win with a field goal in the final seconds, one whenever you possess the ball, either on a kickoff or a punt, you have to have an offense that can drive the ball and get you in the field goal position, even when the defense knows that that's what you're trying to do. You have to be able to hit the sideline routes and guys get out of bounds to stop the ball. You have to be able to clock it. You have to be able to get in and out of the huddle. You have to be able to run two or three, call two or three plays from the line so that you can keep the ball moving and preserve time so that once you get in the field goal range, that your kicker, you know, your kicker's field goal range, that you have time for him to get out there, kick it, game over, see you later. So you, you, you just you just put together the academic curriculum for Lamar, Lamar Jackson and make that next step. <laughs> As a quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean, those are the those are the kind of things that every quarterback. I hope he's listening. <laughs> those are the kind of things that every quarterback in the NFL needs to be able to do. Those are the kind of things that every offensive coordinator has to be prepared to do 
because you never know when you're going to be in that position to be able to win a game, but you have to get in the field goal position to win it. And then ultimately your kicker has to make it, but let's face it. <laughs> that's what he's getting paid to do. He doesn't do anything else. So you have to be able to move the ball into his range so that he can do what he gets paid to do. And if you can't do that, then you're going to lose by one, two, three points. Now, let's talk about the Bucks real quick. Oh, well, actually, I'm not finished with the Cowboys just yet. So I'm going to give Dak a lot of credit for how he played. I thought he looked really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bucs were missing two DBs. I think they were missing one coming into the game, and then one of their corners got hurt during the game. But I was surprised that they struggled to defend against the pass as badly as they did. Uh, they did get one interception, but they only sacked Dak once, uh, and they had to rely on Tom Terrific to save the day. So neither team did much on the ground. Dak went 42 of 58. 42 of 58 that tied his career high in attempts. Throw 58 passes, that's crazy, okay? He went for 403 yards. He did throw three touchdown passes, but he got outdueled by Tom Brady. 32 of 50, 370 yards, and four touchdowns. Enough said. Next game, Philadelphia Eagles going to Atlanta play the Falcons. The Eagles win the game 32 to 6. I'll tell you this. I listen. We live in Philadelphia. I listen to talk radio. There was a lot of trepidation. Oh, I'm not sure. You know, Atlanta's got pits and Ryan's not done yet. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Eagles came out with an extremely diverse and balanced attack against the rebuilding Falcons defense. And they basically just wore them boys out. Miles Sanders got a sufficient amount of touches. He got 74 yards on the ground on 15 carries, and he caught four passes for another 39. But the real story for the Eagles was quarterback Jalen Hurts, who now all of a sudden everybody loves. He was a very efficient 27 to 35, 264 yards. He threw three touchdown passes to three different receivers, and he ran the ball seven times for 62 yards. Extremely productive. Looking for a big season from Jalen Hurts. The Pittsburgh Steelers roll into Buffalo to play the Bills, one of my favorite teams to watch in the AFC. This was a borderline intriguing game. I did pick a different game to be my intriguing game. I don't know which one was yours, Barry. But this was a borderline intriguing game. But it turned out to be not as good as I thought it was going to be. Pittsburgh got the victory 23 to 16. Now, Josh Allen threw 51 passes. These quarterbacks throwing 50 passes. This is crazy. He threw 51 passes in this game, but he was extremely inaccurate. Now, I had a long discussion with somebody on Facebook about how Josh Allen looked. The guy tried to tell me that Josh Allen has been inaccurate since he came into the league. That is not true. The knock on Josh Allen coming into the league before the draft, when he was drafted, was that he wasn't accurate, but he had all the other skills, could make every throw, could run tall, strong, pretty fast, okay? But accuracy was an issue. Over the three years he's been in the, in the league, he has improved that tremendously. 
Anybody who doesn't believe it, look up the 2020 stats. He was ranked sixth in completion percentage last season. Sixth out of 32 starting quarterbacks. He was number six. So don't tell me Josh Allen is inaccurate. But in this game, he was inaccurate. And he was only able to complete 30 of those 51 passes. 270 yards, and he only threw one touchdown pass. Uh, he was forced into hurrying a bunch of his throws because he was under serious duress from the, from the Pittsburgh pass rush. Uh, they basically had their way with an overwhelmed Buffalo Bills offensive line. I don't know what the heck is going on there. They recorded three sacks, one fumble recovery. They blocked a punt, scoop, and scored it. And they stopped Buffalo on two fourth down attempts. That was big. So that basically was the story of that game. Uh, let's see. Minnesota rolls into Cincinnati to play the Bengals. The Minnesota Vikings lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 27 to 24 in overtime. Very entertaining game. Uh, <laughs> the Vikings defense was pretty bad. <laughs> and the team committed 10 penalties in the first half, which contributed to them trailing for almost the entire second half. Consequently, Kirk Cousins accumulated most of his 36 completions on 49 attempts in the last two quarters and in the overtime. He finished with 351 yards. He did throw two touchdowns through the air, but the normally productive running back Dalvin Cook could only grind out 61 yards on 20 carries. Now, on average, that's a pretty good day if your offense is balanced, but they weren't balanced. He still got 20 carries, but they kind of held him at bay. So that's a good thing to look forward to with the Bengals defense. Um, Cook did, however, catch six passes, 43 yards, but he fumbled in overtime. That gave Joe Burrow and the Bengals the opportunity to win the game. Um, Bengals running back Joe Mixon did his part. He had 127 yards rushing on 29 really tough carries. So think about it, 29 carries. That's a lot. You want your starting running back to be able to carry the ball 20 times a game, maybe 25. He grounded out 29 carries and only had 127 yards. So that's that's some that's some tough ground game. You could do the math on that for yards per carry. But uh, he did get a TD, and Burrow was pretty efficient with 20 completions on 27 attempts for 262, and Burrow threw two touchdowns, but came with a price. Burrow coming off a season-ending knee injury last year, likes to stand in the pocket a little bit too long. He's one of them guys, you know, he's a genuine pocket passer. He'll stand in the pocket, stand tall, scan the defense, look for his open receiver, burp the baby, as I like to call it, okay? But sometimes he does it a little bit too long. So he took a lot of bad hits, and he got sacked five times. Going to need to look at that because Joe Burrow, if he keeps that up, is going to miss half of another season. <laughs> Not good, Joe. Need to get rid of the ball. All right. The San Francisco 49ers go to visit the Detroit Lions. This game was far more entertaining than I expected it to be. <laughs> the Niners did win the game, 41-33. Starting running back, Raheem Mostert, who we talked about early, suspended a knee injury. That's basically going to end his season. Um, but enter Elijah Mitchell. Is that a cousin of yours? I'm claiming him. 
You're claiming him okay. I'm he putting him on the tree on Ancestry. <laughs> this guy ran 19 times for 104 yards and a touchdown. Seems no matter who Coach Shanahan plugs in to that vaunted nine run game, it just keeps on rolling along. Jimmy Garoppolo quieted the Trey Lance talk a little bit, at least for one week anyway. Um, he had a real nice game. 17 to 25, 314 yards, one touchdown. That one touchdown was a beauty to Debo Samuel. It went for 79 yards. Debo did most of the work uh, with the long run. Um, but that turned out to be a career night for Debo. Uh, he had nine catches for a total of 189 yards. That's a huge night for a wide receiver. The Lions just fell behind early and got most of their points in garbage time. That but, one turnover he had, though, um, yeah. kind of third piece, man. And, and, and I know I said I thought the game was more entertaining than I thought it would be. And then I come back and say the Lions scored most of their points in garbage time. But it was entertaining because I got to see um, DeAndre um, uh, Swift, who's from Philadelphia. I, had to, I, uh, I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call their points garbage time. I mean, they were trying to come back, you know, and we were, yeah, they were trying. We were well, enabling well, them. The Niners ever in danger. Them, what, eight points? Was it? Come on, man. They got when was that? In the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was late in the fourth quarter. Bro. They got within eight, man. They shouldn't have, it shouldn't even got that close. I'm Bruh. telling you. Should not have okay. been that close. Okay, well, Robert Sala's gone, so talk to your D coordinator. Man, look, let me tell you. And, and again, you know, we I told you, you know, I had some questions about the secondary. You know, you lose a Richard Sherman. You know, that that level of uh, command and control in, in your defense and stuff. So some things have to be worked out the second preseason. Absolutely. Especially knowing that they're going to play better teams and knowing how tough their division is and they have to play everybody in the division twice. So, yes, absolutely. That has to be addressed. But against the Lions, come on, not a problem. I think everybody's taking the Lions too lightly, but let's go. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals at Tennessee Titans. This one surprised me. The Cardinals beat the Titans 38 to 13. I did not see this one coming. Ryan Tannehill threw for one touchdown and he ran for another one, but the Cardinals front seven limited Derrick Henry to 58 yards rushing. And complete, at that point, they just completely ignored Tannehill's weak attempts at play action. So, you're not getting rushing yards. Your play action is out the window. They're just coming at you. Now, now, Ben, let me just say this because you bring this point up, and I this has been a point of contention of mine for a long time. Yes. Coaches who call play action when nobody is concerned about the run at all. <laughs> you know, right. I mean? we're talking about Derrick Henry here. So coming into the game. You are concerned about Derrick Henry. Coming into the game. However, however, they made a decision. We're going to live and die stopping Derrick Henry. We're going to load the box, and if we're going to lose, Ryan Tannehill's going to beat us. And it worked. And it worked. Yes, it did. So, you know, at that point, it's like you're not going to give it to him because he ain't going nowhere, and we're just going to keep coming. They sacked Tannehill six times. Chandler Jones had five sacks on his own. This guy's looking at defensive MVP front running right now. 
think he got the. I, I think he got game. something for the week on that. He might be de- defensive. Probably player get of the defensive week. player of the week. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Five sacks in one game. Absolutely. Um, they did intercept Tannehill once, and they recovered two fumbles. The turnovers contributed to a red hot Kyler Murray going off for four TDs, uh, four TDs through the air. He had one on the ground. Uh, two of the TDs that he threw went to DeAndre Hopkins. This guy's hands, if you ever get a chance to look at his hands, he, he wears four XL gloves. I didn't even know they made four XL gloves, okay? <laughs> is, it, is it true? I heard that he slits the seams or something on them so that they fit better. Somebody does that. Probably. It's not and him. He does, he does some kind of uh, exercises where he actually pushes his hands together in some fashion, sort of kind of like this, to stretch the tendons in his fingers. It's incredible. But anyway, that's not surprising that he caught two touchdown passes. What was surprising was that Christian Kirk, Looks like he's ready to take over for Larry Fitzgerald now that Fitzgerald has retired. And Christian Kirk is trying to move himself up to be the number two uh, option in the wide receiver core there. A.J. Green looks like he's fading. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say about A.J. But Christian Kirk is stepping up. He had two scores also. So uh, watch out for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Ah, let's see where we at. Seattle right for the NFC West. NFC West is the toughest division in football, no doubt about it. Seattle Seahawks roll into Indianapolis to play the Colts. I thought this game would be a little bit better than it was, but Seattle looked good. They won the game 28 to 16. Excuse me. The Seahawks defense looked much improved from last year. They harassed Carson Wentz all day long. Uh at least he looked healthy. He was scrambling around for his life, but he was moving. He didn't look hampered by his foot injury. Um, but if he keeps getting pressured like this, he's not going to be around long. He can't keep taking that kind of punishment. And if he does for a few more games, he's going to be out again. He got sacked four times. He got hit 14 times. And 15 of his 25 pass completions, 15 of his 25 pass completions went to running backs on little downfield stuff, dinking dunks and swing passes, check downs as we like to call them. Couldn't find his receivers downfield. Meanwhile, Russ came out, came out cooking. Through two DZ passes to the Seahawks um, in the Seahawks first four first half possessions. I said that wrong. Two touchdowns and four first down First half possessions. I'm still having trouble saying that. I don't know why. <laughs> Both of the touchdowns were over the top to Tyler Murray. Uh, Tyler Lockett. I'm still thinking about Murray. Tyler Lockett and Russ finished with four scores altogether. And running back Chris Carson also had a strong game. Ran the ball 16 times for 91 yards. Okay. L.A. Chargers, another one of my favorite AFC teams to watch just because I love Justin Herbert. They go into Washington to play the vaunted Washington defense. Guess what? Chargers come West Coast to East Coast and beat the Washington football team 20 to 16. This was a good game. Ooh. Vaunted. Vaunted. That's a good word. I like that word. The vaunted 
Washington football team defense recorded only two sacks. They did get one interception. They did have one fumble recovery against Justin Herbert. But other than that, he had a damn good day. His offensive line pretty much handled the Washington front seven for the rest of the game, and he torched their secondary for 337 yards on 31 of 47 passing and one touchdown. He completed 13 of 16 passes on third downs and converted an amazing 11 first downs. Let me repeat that. He threw 13, he threw 16 passes on third downs. He completed 13 of them and converted 11 first downs on third down. His main target on most of those third down conversions was Keenan Allen, who's his number one wide receiver. He actually caught nine passes total for 100 yards. Um, I did find it a bit curious that running back Austin Eckler didn't receive a single target. Um, he ran the ball 15 times. Uh, he got 57 yards. He did score a touchdown. Uh, fantasy note, Austin Eckler was a guy that a lot of people went after, especially if they were playing in PPR leagues. PPR leagues is points per reception. So no matter how much yardage a guy gets or touchdowns he gets, he also gets one extra point every time he catches the ball. Austin Eckler looked like a big-time PPR running back. For him not to get a target, not even a target in a game, is a little bit curious. He did get more red zone looks than he used to get and more goal line work, but he didn't catch a pass. That's not a good thing. Um, as far as Washington is concerned, they lost their starting quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He got a hip injury. Uh, that's going to keep him out six to eight weeks. So they got to roll with Taylor Heineke, who I actually like, but it's going to take him another game or two to kind of get rolling as the starter. Where do you where do you stand on the uh, the question of him of uh, them bringing in Cam? I wouldn't. <laughs> Me neither. I don't think Cam fits. I don't think Cam fits there. Even though he used to play for Carolina and he used to play for uh, the head coach there, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think he fits what they're doing right now. I really don't. Okay. I, I wouldn't do it. I, I would go with Heineke. Heineke proved he can win games last season. You know, when Alex Smith wasn't right, Heineke came in. When they decided not to go with Alex Smith anymore, they relied on Heineke. You know, they didn't draft a quarterback in the early rounds in the draft. They went out and got a free agent guy, a veteran in Fitzpatrick, and they held on to Heineke. They like the guy. I like the guy. I, he knows the offense, and he's not bad. I, I think you'll see better things out of him in weeks to come. All right. All right. Okay. So moving on. The New York Jets, with their brand-new rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, went down to Carolina to play the Panthers. They did not win, but again, another close and very entertaining game. In fact, I think the Carolina defense, this is my opinion, the Carolina defense is much improved, and I thought they would handle the Jets. They really didn't. They won the game 19-14. But this was a game that could have went either way for most of the game. So, I mean, considering that he was rushed mercilessly 
from the outset of this game and was sacked six times. Just rookie quarterback Zach Wilson scrambled and survived well enough to complete 20 out of 37 passes for 258 yards and two touchdowns, and he only threw one interception. That was surprising to me, but let's remember when we did our draft show and we talked about Zach Wilson, we said that what these coaches were looking at when they looked at him and what they admired about him was his um, off-platform throws, as they call it, being able to throw on the run, being able to throw across your body accurately, being able to throw, you know, uh, roll one way and go back the other way and all that stuff. So he, that that worked to his advantage to where it, statistically he had a, actually a pretty good game. Uh, unfortunately for Wilson and the Jets, they got outdueled by Sam Darnold, the guy who used to be the quarterback for the Jets and the Panthers. Even though Darnold, uh, Darnold's accuracy was a bit shaky, uh, he was only 24-35. He only threw for 270 yards, and he only threw one touchdown through the air. Uh, he did run one touchdown in. Um, but the real hero for Carolina was my man, C-Mac. Christian McCaffrey. Dude, I've been waiting for this dude on my fantasy keeper teams. I've been holding on to this cat for two years trying to get him healthy. And it paid off for me so far in week one. And hopefully it's going to pay off for me for the rest of this season. After only being able to appear in three games last year because of injuries, because he was injured, he came in, he played a couple games, he went out hurt again. Then he came back, he played another game, then he got hurt again. This guy comes in, runs 21 times, 98 yards, catches nine passes for an additional 89 yards. This dude's a superstar, man. This dude's a beast. And some of the passes, he was lined up in the slot. So he caught swing passes out of the backfield. He caught screens. Then he lined up in the slot, caught balls downfield. What can he not do? Christian McCaffrey, my man. Um, the name that I did hear you mention is that combo between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson. Well, this is how I see it, and it's no secret. DJ Moore is the possession guy, and he can hurt you on intermediate stuff. But when it's time to go bombs away, Robbie Anderson is hard to cover. Robbie Anderson can shred your defense for big yardage anytime he basically wants to. It's just a matter of Darnold being on time with the throw. That's all. Carolina's going to be a dangerous team to deal with. Like I said, the defense, I believe, is much improved. Some people say it's slightly improved. I believe it's much improved, especially up front. And uh, it's, it's all about Darnold and McCaffrey staying healthy. But yeah, DJ Moore, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson are a nice combination at wide receiver. And the better Darnold gets with them, the better they're going to be. So Carolina could be dangerous. This is an interesting time with our rookie quarterbacks. We've got two who are starting, right? Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. And we got two who are on the bench that everybody thinks kind of should be starting with, you know, Justin Fields in Chicago and Trey Lance with the Niners. And both of them got in the game. And both of them got into the game, yeah. So that tells you 
<laughs> well, first off, relative to Justin Fields, I think his situation is different because I don't think that the the true belief is there that Andy Dalton is going to be, you know, is the real as a serious starting quarterback at this point. I agree. Okay, I think Pete, I consider him a really good backup at this point. So you've got a, the guy, the rookie, you know, at backup to a backup. I don't consider Garoppolo a backup to Trey Lance. The interesting on the game is that, again, Garoppolo's rated like 75 and Trey Lance is rated like 74. <laughs> so literally on the game, I replaced Garoppolo with Trey Lance. But that's where my mind separates between the game and real life. I do not recommend that because I think, as you said, the running game that the Niners have, you want someone who can operate that offense. Um, the, the, the thing I always have to remember, even in playing the game, is the nature of that team is a, run, is a running team. So I right. always have to stay, if I stay true to, the, to my nature, the passing game opens up. You know, it just, you know, it, it, it's how it, it works. It just works. And again, as I said to you, if you have a dominant tight end, you're, you can really be competitive in this in this league. So, you know, we look across and we did the tight end review. We got to go back and kind of look at that again because I'm taking that a little more seriously, man. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. No, 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 that's, that's not a problem. All I would say with that is I noticed that both coaches made sure that both of those guys got into the game. Dalton's got a real short leash. Okay. Garoppolo's leash is still really long, but I believe that they're going to try their best to insert Trey Lance here and there in positions where he won't hurt himself and he won't hurt the team, but they can kind of get him up to speed with the speed of the NFL game. Let's face it. We talk about the speed of the NFL game all the time when these guys come out of college. Now we're talking about a guy who's not only coming out of college, but over the past year only played in one actual game. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit of time as long as Garoppolo stays healthy for Trey Lance to get in there and get some serious play. But Justin Fields is on deck. He's, yeah, you he's and like I, you and I actually did like up. You and I actually didn't like the, the, the what do you call it, platooning of the quarterback initially. But yeah, it but seems you know, to be, in those cases, especially with Trey, he is the backup. So you got to yeah. get him prepared for, as you say, the speed of the game and then be right. ready to come in at a moment's notice. So you right. kind of have to get him in whenever you can. That was oh, yeah. one of the things that I was kind of pissed off about with the Lions. I'm looking at that game. I'm going, oh. Trey might get some run today if we can hold these boys down, you know, because we had such a large margin at some point. Didn't happen. So in any event, yeah, absolutely different situations. Um, and But both of them, when they came in, they were pretty effective, right? Right, right, right. Oh, okay. For, for, what they were, for what they were asked to do, yes. They were prepared. They were ready to carry out what they had to do and get them the heck off the field, continue on with the game. So... Who's up next? Jacksonville Jaguars. Travel to Houston to play the Houston Texans. Both teams looking like they're going to be bottom feeders. 
Turned out to be a pretty good game, but this is what we got here. And I remember a little something you sent to me to my DM in reference to Madden ratings between Trevor Lawrence and Tyrod Taylor. So here, <laughs> here's what I got to say. <laughs> so this one was the battle between the quarterback who was the number one pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence, versus the grizzled old veteran, part-time starter, most of the time backup, Tyrod Taylor. Both quarterbacks went against very lowly ranked defenses, but one of them was clearly better. With basically no run game to speak of, the Jaguars needed Lawrence to throw the ball 51 times. And although his arm talent was clear to see, he was only able to complete 28 of those passes. 28 of 51 is not very good. He did throw for 332 yards, though, so he was airing it out. And he did, in fact, throw three touchdown passes. But he also suffered three interceptions. Receivers dropped five passes. And he had six three and outs. So he had trouble converting on third down. Not good. Conversely, Tyrod Taylor was 21 of 33, 291 two touchdowns, and he ran 40 yards on the ground, and he was only sacked once, and he had no turnovers. Tyrod did the darn thing, man. Let's there you it. go. And, and that's, that was my whole point. When you get Madden ratings on a rookie, they have nothing to base them on but what they did in college. And even though well, he didn't actually play in the SEC because Clemson's actually uh, in the ACC, but he played plenty of SEC teams, played plenty of big-time talent. But playing on a loaded college team is a little bit different from playing in the NFL. So we'll see how his Madden ratings look next year. But for now, I would say Tyrod's better. Well, the interesting thing about the ratings, and I'm actually looking at the ratings right now, it, it comes in the awareness category. And – they actually somewhat apparently disrespected Tyrod because they gave Trevor Lawrence an 80 in awareness and Tyrod Taylor a 66. Uh, yes, I would agree that I believe 66 is disrespectful to Tyrod. And I think that anything in the 80s for Trevor Lawrence, yeah, sure. You're on a team that's loaded. And believe me, college football is not known for great defenses anywhere. It's good for great defensive talent here and there. That safety, that corner on this team, that safety on this team, that linebacker on this team. But great college defenses, you never hear about that. So big scores in college, right? A lot of yeah, shit. Sure. It's, it's crazy. Either that or a lot of little teams getting smashed by the big teams. Who yeah, sure. sure. So obviously his awareness is going to be up, but I digress. It's an interesting, that's an interesting, you know, um, uh, situation there. And, and I'll be looking to see if they do an update uh, because again, you also got to give the, the, the um, coach for the uh, Houston Texans. You know, I still want to go back and give him props for having that team. I, ready to play. You and, know, and yes, the yes, teams. they were ready to play. And believe me, they handled the Jacksonville run with no problem. So now I'm starting to wonder, like, 
if if um, if they got to throw the ball fifty one times because they can't get a running game going, is that because of their offensive line or is that because of Houston's defense? Uh, but but when I see him throw for three hundred thirty two yards and three touchdowns, but he throws three interceptions, you know, I'm saying, hey, maybe the Texans were actually really prepared for this guy. I mean, those are those are old Tampa Bay Jameis numbers there. <laughs> 332 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions, you know what I mean? Not to mention the five drop passes, which I can't I can't give Houston credit for that. I think the Jaguars are in worse shape than we thought they were. And Urban Meyer better get himself together. He's gonna be back in college right quick. No, don't even bring that up because that question has already come up because of some opening already and out there. But I want to jump back real quick, and you can help me make, get my memory to correct on this. The mm -hmm. Ravens picked up the running back from the Saints, Latavius, Latavius Murray. That is correct. Good pickup, man. It's a good pickup. That was a good pickup, you know. When as Latavius gets used to that offense again, the pistol and all of that, he probably got a little taste of that when when they brought in, you know, the the uh, the guy for. Um, for the Saints that they would bring in, you know, when he wouldn't run all of the option stuff when Drew was there, um, right. Taysom Hill, right? right. And would so he did actually get a little taste of that with the Saints. They'll get a big portion of that with the Ravens, but I thought that was a good a good pickup, man. I, like I thought it was a very good pickup also. I think he fits their scheme, and word on the street is, well, word on the fantasy street is that eventually – Murray will take over for Tyson Williams. I'm not real sure about that. Tyson Williams is a dynamic running back. The kid is not weak, and he's got some quicks, and he's got some dead breakaway speed that Murray doesn't have, okay? I got a feeling it's going to end up being a real committee over there um, between the two of them. Uh, and then you got to add Lamar in there. Okay. So Tyson looks like, I keep calling Tyson. I think his name is Tyson. How you Tyson spell Tyson Williams. T-Y apostrophe S-O-N. Tyson Williams. Okay. Right now is the number one back. Latavius Murray is number two. And let's remember, they have Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman on the practice squad. Lurking. So, you know, if you play fantasy, you might be able to live off of uh, Murray and Williams for a little while. But I don't know how long that's going to last. You might be wanting to look for another back. But anyway, this was my intriguing game of the week. The Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs. And boy, did it live up to it. This was a great game. And I picked Cleveland to win this game. And I picked Cleveland to win this game because I thought the game was going to be just like the first half was. Unfortunately, they didn't carry that over into the second half. So here we go. You, this you, was my intriguing like How funny it was last week because you were on, walking on down that that Kansas City pathway. Yeah, no. saying Kansas City, and you got no. No, I'm going with the brown. <laughs> right, I was. I was. You're exactly right. That's that's exactly. I said nope. 
I'm calling for the upset. I'm calling for the Browns. I'm telling you, I believe that Cleveland is one of maybe a couple other teams in the AFC that could possibly stand in the way of Kansas City making it to a third straight Super Bowl. I only wish this game, I actually wish this game had taken place a little bit later in the season and not in week one. But bottom line is the Browns came out on fire. They scored on three of their four first half possessions. They put up 318 total yards and they ran out to a 22 to 10 lead. Then the freaking wheels fell off. Now, <laughs> Although the Chiefs were able to mount a furious comeback, they were helped quite a bit by Cleveland's mistakes. A Nick Chubb fumble and a bobbled snap by the Browns punter led to scores for KC, and Baker threw a game-clinching INT on his own team's final drive. So that basically killed them. So mistakes in the second half, penalties, fumbles, the punter dropped the snap came right to it. He bobbled it, dropped it. it it's that gave second him the ball on the 15 yard line. Second preseason. Bro, it's the punter. Hey, he look, has two punter, things to do. He practiced too. Bro, he only has game, two jobs. Game speed is different. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not for a punter. It is not. He has two jobs. Catch the snap and punt the ball. <laughs> That's it. There's no change in practice speed to game speed. They practice punting the same way they punt in the game. That's bull. That, he it, got scared it, it, and dropped the ball. reminded me of the um, Miami Dolphins with, what's his name, your, your premium? Yeah, no, it's, no, it was nothing like that. <laughs> it was nothing like that. But, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? If you're a punter and you bobble the snap, the rush is on, you know you can't punt the ball. So your first instinct is to try to run and get away from the defenders so you can maybe, like, get a little pooch kick or something. He couldn't even do that. They were all over. So He, he just had been to done that. better to throw the ball away, like, and just – No! I mean, he wound up getting sacked, like – 10, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That uh, is worse. It was worse field position. Uh, if he had fumbled it, you know. You're you're asking a punter under duress who never practiced throwing the ball to try to throw it out of bounds. Well, that you know, to be quite honest, it's just written all over practice. Shouldn't that something be something that that okay? If if you if you bobble it, this is what we want you to do. Shouldn't that have been? Part of the special teams practice. It is part of the special teams. If so you what, should it, he what should he be doing then? And, and he's he bobbled it exactly what he did. He's supposed to try to roll out and get a running rugby kick. It's a rugby kick. You mm -hmm. run okay. and you kick it on the run. But the Ravens were all over it. They all got through. <laughs> they all got through. He had nowhere to go. He had no room to try to get the kickoff. And he, I'm sure he didn't want to kick it into them because if you do that, then they can scoop and score. Right, right, right. So he just took the L. You know, if he throws it out of bounds, he's going to get a, a what do you call it? A, a grounding something or what? Yeah. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Baker finished with 28 to 20, uh, 21 to 28. 
for 321 yards. He did throw one interception. Uh, Nick Chubb had a good game. Ran 15 times for 83 yards. He had two touchdowns. Um, now, Mr. Mahomes, he threw for three touchdowns, completing 27 to 36 passes for 30, 337 yards. Nice day. Typical Mahomes day. He also had a rushing touchdown. Again, he can do that, especially in the red zone. Anytime he gets close and you force him out of the pocket, you're in danger of him taking off on you. Tyreek Hill saw a whopping 15 targets. Now, rare it is for one receiver to get 15 targets in a game. It's extremely rare. He got 15 targets. He hauled in 11 of them. He scored one touchdown, and he racked up 197 yards. Superstar. Okay? Kids are stud. Travis Kelsey, seven targets, caught six of them, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Another killer player. If you got either one of them on your fantasy team, you are good to go. They can carry you. Those two guys, can, you don't even have to have Mahomes. <laughs> Those two guys can carry your fantasy team. Unbelievable. It's amazing watching Kelsey just run his little short turnarounds, you know. Catch and somehow he's always open. It's amazing. It, it is amazing. And, I mean, I know him and, and Kittles do, does their tight end university, you know. So it's, I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, these are the teachers now. Let me see, you know. But it is amazing. And then once he catches it. Have, I actually have two fantasy. You know, I got a lot of fantasy teams. I actually have two fantasy teams where I was able to draft Kittle and Kelsey. Are you serious? And I named the team T-E-U. Tight End University. <laughs> okay. That's okay. the name of my team. Oh, my. But anyway, so – Big-time AFC matchup. Miami Dolphins go in to play the New England Patriots up in Foxborough. And the Miami Dolphins squeeze out a 17-16 to win. Now, rookie quarterback Mac Jones of the New England Patriots made his NFL debut, debut and he had a pretty solid game uh, against a pretty good defense. I, I like Miami. They play a lot of man-to-man. -man. They blitz a lot. Um, he was able to complete 28 of 39 passes, 281 yards, and a score. He was also only sacked once. Uh, he spread the ball around pretty evenly between pass catching back James White and his receivers, and he didn't commit a turnover. So good, solid first NFL game from Mac Jones. Looks like they made the right decision. Now, my, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Cam. Uh, <laughs> Miami offensive line. <clears throat> and in the meantime, really... Cam's old coach is like, nah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Miami offensive line is not nearly as solid as the Patriots. Can I say this much real quick? Yeah. Did you see the video of them interviewing Cam about him being cut? No, I saw the thing, but I never watched it. What 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 was he saying? This is the funny. Yeah. This is just you have nothing to do with COVID. He had a hat on, right? Yeah. But the top apparently was cut out because he had hair sticking straight yeah, hair out, sticking, yeah. out the middle yeah. of the hat. And he's saying, Well, I don't blame him. I might have been a distraction. <laughs> and I'm looking at him. I'm going, <laughs> Dude, that's funny. You know that's not what he meant. <laughs> you know that's not what he meant, right? 
It is what it is. <laughs> no, no, stop, stop it. You know what he meant. Oh I'm Cam goodness. Newton. I'm Cam no, Newton. He, he, he is a personality. If you're going to bring him on your squad, you got to be ready to bring all of that Cam personality with you. He's I understand that. I understand that. And all of I that. Understand that. I understand that. <laughs> but if you decide, if you keep Cam Newton on your team, and you decide that you're going to make Mac Jones your starter. Mac Jones can't help but look over his shoulder because that's Cam Newton. Forget the hats and the personality and all that. That's what he meant. I don't blame him. He's right. He's right. Oh, and, and, and however you want to look at it, he's right. And it's not either or. It's probably both. <laughs> well, the fact that he's a personality and he wears weird hats and stuff, means absolutely nothing to Mac Jones. Mac Jones is trying to fucking, uh, excuse me, is trying to, <laughs> Mac Jones is trying to win a job and be an NFL quarterback. That's all. And play for the New England Patriots who have 100,000 Super Bowls. That's all Mac Jones cares about. And now that Cam is gone, he's completely comfortable, which is exactly what they want him to be. Boom. End the conversation. And they're not worried about him transitioning to game speed. This is the interesting thing between right. the two so, guys who are starting versus the, the guys who are not starting. Excuse me. And the reasons that we're given for why they're not, you know, ready to actually play. And that's the question. I think in, in Trey Lance's situation, well, again, he didn't have the amount of games under his belt coming in. So, absolutely not. you know, Justin Fields, however, not the same situation, you know. He had plenty of games under under his belt, so that's true. And that's why he'll probably make his first appearance in the next couple of weeks if Dalton keeps stinking it up. <laughs> but the Mac Jones deal is completely different. Number one, Mac Jones played for Lou Saban. I mean, uh, Nick Saban. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are like this. Okay, Nick Saban grooms his players for the NFL. Nick Saban prepared Mac Jones for the NFL and then told Bill Belichick, this boy's ready if you need him to play right away. I vouch for him. And big Bill Belichick said, you think we'll have to trade up to get him? I saw your post on, on uh, Facebook, by the way, back. All them people, and there was a whole bunch of people that commented on that Facebook post about the Niners moving up to the third pick in the draft to wow, take Trey Lance, <laughs> pretending, pretending that they did it or so-called pretending that they did it <clears throat> because they knew Belichick wanted Jones. They missed the entire point. They missed the entire point. The point is the Niners didn't win and the Patriots didn't win. The Miami Dolphins won. They got three first-round picks. The Niners got what they wanted. They made sure they got Trey Lance. And Mac Jones sat there, and the Patriots didn't have a doggone thing, and he fell in their lap. Boom. Everybody wins. It's crazy. That whole post was just – the answers I saw in that post were crazy. But anyway, so we're talking about Miami and New England. Miami pulled out the win. Their offensive line is not nearly as solid as the Patriots, like I was saying. And the Patriots' D is pretty good, too. Uh, so 
they came after uh, Tua with a vengeance. It was crazy. Tua was was running around like a nut too. And although they only sacked him twice, he was running for his life most of the day. He did throw one touchdown. He did throw one uh, INT. But he also spread the ball around pretty evenly between his committee of backs. He's got a whole ton of backs. Uh, uh, Gaskins, Ahmed. He's got like four backs that they play. And also, he got rookie Jalen Waddle involved, who played with him at Alabama. He also got Devontae Parker involved. And Devontae Parker is a 6'4", you know, gigantic catch radius type of dude. Now, here's the deal. Miami wins this game. And I, I haven't even looked at next week's games yet because I, I like to get them off the top when you give them to me before I make my picks. Um, but with Waddle and Parker and now Will Fuller having served his suspension, he'll be back next week also to against another playmaker. So watch out for Miami. Ah, okay. All right. Hold on one second. Okay. So next on the docket, we have the Green Bay Packers at the New Orleans Saints. Talk about surprises. This one, this one, I don't even know what to think of this. And we talked about this a little earlier here in the show uh, about what I thought about Green Bay's meltdown. I don't even know what to say. The Packers got the crap beat out of them on both sides of the ball. The Saints were expected to come into the season with a pretty stout defense, but they gave Aaron Rodgers fits. Uh, we've been talking about Rodgers all summer long. So I'm actually tired of talking about him. So let's talk about Jameis. <laughs> well, we said early on, <laughs> and Dwayne Haskins were two quarterbacks who had tremendous opportunities and potentially in front of them. That is correct. And Just James now with like Drew having stepped off, man, and and um, another, uh, what, what was the other um, coach you said they think, that, oh, the Patriots, you think they made the right decision? Saints also made the right decision here. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've been I've been going for Jameis all along. Two reasons. Number one, Jameis is a real quarterback. Taysom Hill is not. Number two, Jameis is a real quarterback. And Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill does so many other things. Why would you take that out of your offense? The, the guy is a weapon. You got to use him as a weapon. You know what I mean? But first of all, Jameis was gifted with great field position several times during the game by a defense that was just swarming all over the Packers. Uh, they got two sacks, two interceptions, a fumble recovery, and a fourth down stop. I don't know what made the Packers think they could go for it on fourth down, but you know, I don't know. That must have been early in the game. I didn't, I didn't see that entire game. Um, now that being say said, this much then before you finish, uh, the game was relatively close for a while. It was one of those things at one point it was like 14 to three, you know what I mean? And it was like 17 to three or something like that. And you always kept feeling like, okay, you know, Packers going to pop, pop and things are going to be right back. To uh, once it goes to 17 and three, it ain't close no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the pack, man. We just pack a and R. To do a little something, something, and the next thing you know, you. you might be down one, you know. It didn't happen. You. 
But you you got to remember during the course of the game, Aaron Jones wasn't getting off. So if Aaron Jones ain't getting off, then you're looking at Aaron Rodgers having to throw fifty something passes like some of these other guys had to do. It just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. They pulled him out of the game. It was ridiculous. They had nothing. They had nothing. I thought it was almost interesting because his whole complaint is that, you know, or not whole complaint, but so much of the complaint was you drafted my replacement. And then he literally plays so bad that they have to put the replacement in there. Well, it wasn't even so much that he plays so bad that he put him in. It didn't make sense to leave him out there. No, it didn't. It didn't. You know, it didn't. So no. they'll 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 be back, but um against against the Detroit Lions, right? Everybody's oh, assuming. Here you go with the damn Detroit Lions. So anyway, I'm talking about Jameis. I'm right? talking about Jameis. I'm talking about Jameis. Now his numbers were not eye popping. He only was 14 of 20, and he only threw for 148 yards through the air. But he threw five touchdown passes. So again, and I talk about this all the time, field position is extremely important. When your defense is able to put you in good field position because they're holding the other team's offense and forcing them to punt, even if you drive and don't score and you punt it back to them and they they hold again and force them to punt again, each time you're starting your series closer and closer and closer to the goal line you're trying to get to. And that's what happened. So he was able to throw five touchdown passes. That's tremendous. There's no way they were coming back from that, not without a balanced attack. And one of his touchdown passes went to uh, Alvin Kamara, who's probably going to have another outstanding season. Uh, He ran 20 times for 83 yards. And then, you know, he caught a touchdown pass. And then when the fourth quarter started, he hit the bench. No need to stay out there. We're killing these guys. Crazy. Crazy. Oh. I'm, well, actually, well, um, I'm actually wanted to, to just double men- or to mention, uh, I remember hearing this, so I'm kind of just pulling it up to make sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jameis actually had a historic day for throwing the number, I believe throwing the number of touchdowns versus the number of total passes that he actually had that ratio of touchdown to passes. Oh yeah. I don't doubt that. Yeah. It was something historic about that. I was trying to pull it up real fast. I don't see it, but uh, long story short. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jameis had, had, a, had a great day, man. And, and just yeah, like, if you think about it, that's pretty incredible. Say, to be able to throw five touch, touchdown passes on only 148 yards passing total. That's pretty crazy. But again, it's that part of the game that a lot of teams forget about, or a lot of fans forget about. Teams don't forget about it. The fans forget about, it, and that's field position. You know, if you're if you're in good field position every time you go out on the field, good things are gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, he looked he looked great. Uh, he took full advantage of that field position. So, um, all right, there you go. Who's all right, up next. Next up, we got a little heartbreaker for me. The New York Giants hosted the Denver Broncos. I tell you what, <clears throat> I think I picked the Giants to win, 
only because the Giants are my team and I love them. Uh, they, they, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad to hear the honesty here. No, I have to be honest, man. That, 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 that other hyperbole or false hyperbole, I'll leave that to the Eagles fans, okay? I know my team has issues, okay? I love them anyway, and I'm going to ride or die. But Denver came in here with a pretty good defense and ended up beating them 27 to 13. But I like the 13 that we got. There were some things I liked and there were some things I didn't like. And as a fan, I have to say I am not distraught. Okay. I wish they had been able to win, but I saw some good things and I saw some bad things. And I think that we have things to build on. Now, I have to be honest, though. It looks like it's going to be a long season for us. Unless Danny Dimes can show some marked improvement and Saquon can get rolling. If those two things happen, then I'll feel a lot better. But uh, even with a below average offensive line, uh, Daniel Jones was only sacked two times. That's pretty good because the Denver pass rush is pretty ferocious. We're talking about Von Miller and all that stuff going on. Uh, uh, Bradley Chubb. Okay. They only really got to him twice. Now, he was under constant pressure, but he was still able to throw two touchdown passes, and he ran for one touchdown. That, that was kind of late in the game, though. Things were pretty much settled. Uh, Sterling Shepard stepped up. He was his main target. He caught seven passes. He did score a touchdown. But Barkley was held in check. And the only good thing I can say about Barkley was he did start the game. He looked relatively healthy. He played 47% of the offensive snaps, which is good. So it doesn't look like he was on a pitch count, as they say. And uh, so I'm going to deem him 100% healthy, and I expect better things as we go. Um, now, here's the crazy thing for Denver. So as the debate in Denver raged over the summer and during training camp about whether to start quarterback or, or who the starting quarterback would be between Bridgewater and Locke, the job was ultimately won in the preseason by Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves, as I like to call him, didn't need to do much with this defense holding the Giants to only two scores. And running back Melvin Gordon looked fresh. He sprinted for 70-yard touchdown. Um, <clears throat> and that was 70 yards of his total 101 yards that he got on only 11 carries. Okay? <laughs> you want to start running back to get between 18 and 24 carries and get 100, 125 yards. That's a pretty good day. He went for one-on-one on 11 carries, 70 yards on one. And let me tell you, he looked like Melvin Gordon straight out of Wisconsin on that run. I didn't even know he still had that in him. Um, now the Broncos did I saw a little bit of that on the game, man, and, and you're, you're right. But that speed? They did, yeah. They they actually, um, but they actually had what twenty five total rushing attempts between Gordon and Williams, so that's mm. not bad. Williams didn't have as as you know he didn't have the big breakaway. He was at he averaged three and a half, three point two yards, yeah. but that's yeah. fourteen attempts, man. So that means they're trying to run the ball. Oh, absolutely, and they need to. <laughs> they need to. You want to balance the tech. The great and the great thing about that is if they can actually establish a good running game, they have a nice, dynamic, young receiver core. Jerry Judy's going to be out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. 
So they just plug in KJ Hamler from Penn State, and he goes in, plays the slot, Courtland Sutton on one side, Tim Patrick on the other side. Both of them are 6'4, 6'5, and fast. Nice receiving core. I said it before, I'll say it again. Watch out for the Broncos. Let's not forget Fant. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, they were talking bad about Fant. I was doing, you know, when I was doing my fantasy research, they were talking bad about Fant. They had him low on the totem pole as far as the tight ends are concerned. That's a big dude, and he can catch, and he's hard to tackle. He ain't dead yet. No, not at all. I mean, Man, he, he had the most receptions on the day. He had eight, well, most targets anyway. He yeah. had eight targets, and that was the most. And, you know, again, I'm saying this, I'm going to continue to say it. If you had a, a really good tight end, Yes, I wish you a lot. Competitive offense, man. I'm Absolutely. telling you, it's an amazing thing. All right, so we kind of talked about these two teams and these two quarterbacks earlier in the show. Uh, Chicago at L.A., Bears versus Rams. Rams basically did the damn thing and took the Chicago Bears apart. I feel bad for the Chicago Bear fans. I feel like the kid at Christmas who comes down and opens up all his toys and they're kind of okay toys, but they're not the ones he asked for. <laughs> and then his dad says, oh, the one you asked for, it's over there. But you can't open it till your birthday, which is in January. Uh, they okay? That's not bad, Zay. <laughs> That's how Chicago fans feel right now. <laughs> Andy Dolphin, Andy Dalton's day. Andy, <laughs> Andy Dalton's days are officially numbered. He struggled to complete 27 out of 38 passes for a stinking 206 yards and threw no touchdown passes. Now, granted, the Rams defense is no joke. Their secondary especially looks to be extremely tight. And we all know about Aaron Donald, okay? So Dalton was sacked three times. He was intercepted once. And the Bears were stopped going forward on fourth down four times. Why, oh, why would the Bears play caller, who I believe is their head coach, I believe he calls the offense, why would they go for it on fourth down four times? Are you serious? They got stopped every time. <laughs> Jeez, what the hell's going on out here? The other quarterback in this game was also starting his first year with a new team, just like Dalton. But he came out firing on all cylinders. Matthew Stafford fits Sean McVay's offense to a T. He completed a sizzling 20 of 26 passes, 20 of 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. All three touchdowns went to three different receivers. Van Jefferson, who's like the third wide out, Cooper Cup, who had a tremendous day, and Robert Woods. And Cup almost had a second one but they said that he got stopped just short of the goal line on one of his. So, man, I, I don't know, bro. The NFC West, bro, freaking Rams. I'm telling you, Stafford is a huge upgrade for them. 
huge. It's one of the things, if you could, if you would want to be able to get three teams out of one division and that doesn't happen really, you know, too much. Um, but even that, yeah. all four teams look like playoff level teams at this particular point. You, you, know? you, you, you could probably, I would venture to guess that you will get two and you could possibly get three. An amazing thing. An amazing thing. Crazy. It's crazy. Well, all right. Um, well, yeah, Andy Dalton looked like a backup, week. and Matt Stafford looked like a starter. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So Monday Night Football, the Baltimore Ravens went into Vegas to play the Raiders. This one turned out to be one of the most exciting and fun to watch games of Week One. Again, did not go the way I thought it would but it was extremely entertaining. Vegas Raiders win the game 33-27 to 27 in overtime. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You know, I love watching Lamar play. His superior speed, his athleticism, his athleticism is, is a sight to see. You, you love to watch it. You, you want to tune in every time you get a chance to watch the Ravens play just so you can see him and see what he's going to do. But in this game, he tried to do too much. He tried to do too much. And I know you talk about it all the time. In this game, even for me, he tried to do too much. He helped stake the Ravens to a 14-0 lead in the first half, which was great. But in the second half, Derek Carr came alive and the Raiders came roaring back. The too much that I spoke of from Lamar ended up being two crucial fumbles in the fourth quarter. The Raiders capitalized on them, ended up taking the game to overtime, and then winning it. Carr threw an insane 56 passes. I'm looking at John Gruden. You know, they show John Gruden on the sideline a lot because he makes all those faces and all that stuff. But Gruden actually looked pretty cool in this game. I think Gruden, and we talked about this before too, Gruden loves Derek Carr. Derek Carr is like Gruden's son. He believes in Derek Carr. He threw the ball 56 times, completed 34 passes, 435 yards, and two touchdowns, and no interceptions. No turnovers at all, if I remember correctly. Great game for the Raiders. Great game for Derek Carr. Great game for Raider Nation. Man, what a week one. That was a crazy game. Um, overtime on a Monday night. I fell asleep. I, you I'm, fell asleep? I fell asleep. What it, the? It, it was, we, we got to the point where I think it was like Ty, and I'm looking at the Ravens driving and i'm like oh they're gonna kick a field goal this is done Good right man. right right you know i wake <laughs> up and i'm like what happened <laughs> what did you happened? see the touchdown play did you see the game-winning play yeah yeah so, you know what it reminded me of remember i always say aaron Rodgers has the best fall away deep ball yeah <laughs> in the nfl yeah. this was a fall yeah. away deep ball <laughs> yeah but but it was completely safe. 
because he was so freaking open. So open. I think he saw him was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, let me get it out of my hands. It was crazy, man. Big finish. Zay Jones, a guy who I have never given any respect to since he's been in this league. Zay Jones, you have a little bit of respect for me now. And after the game, Derek Carr said, Zay Jones gets no respect. This guy shows up at the facility at 6 a.m. every morning to do extra work with me. He prepares all week. And coach told us, if we get this look, we're going to run this play. Got to love it. Got to love it. Got to love, love it, it, man. You know? Um, all right. Well, that was a crazy, crazy week one in the NFL. The first weekend of the second preseason is in the books. We're going to see teams begin to sharpen up. You know, they, they act a little bit, you know, get back and look at the taste. What didn't we do? What should we do? You know, guys who were dropping punts and, you know, all that kind of stuff, fumbles and, man, you know. Uh, I'm going to ask you this, this this about your boys, the Giants, though, man. Go ahead. Are you, I'm starting to lose some faith in Danny Dimes, man. Okay. What about you? How are you feeling there? No, not yet. Okay. All right. You still ride with Danny. You feeling yes. good? Okay. All yes. right. I'm starting to lose. I, I, I believe Andy Dalton or somebody. I believe that he can turn his career around if they give him a little help on that offensive line. And here's the crazy thing. One of the guards, the starting guard went down or something. He's not going to play this week. So that, that's just what they need, right? <laughs> More problems with the offensive line. It's crazy. Saquon's got to get going. But again, that's the offensive line. If, if they can't run block and they can't pass block, then everybody else struggles. But even with their struggles, he didn't have a bad statistical game, Daniel Jones. He didn't have a bad statistical game. He scored some touchdowns. He threw some touchdown passes. He ran one in, be it late in the game. And Sterling Shepard, who has had a lot of injury problems over his career, was the number one wideout, caught a lot of passes. And they still got Slayton, who they haven't really used. They still got Galladay. It's too much potential there. I cannot give up. All right. All right. Well, let's see how you feel on what's coming up for week two in the NFL as we go to the Bias Plus report. So, let me give my quick little rundown for the people to understand what the Bias Plus reports are. And the reason we call it the Bias Plus reports is because what we do is we look at the net points between the two teams. And the concept is that the bias goes to the team with the greater net points. So if I'm winning by an average of 25 and you're winning by an average of five and we play each other, that differential of 20 goes to the team with the 25. They get the bias. And then there's no guarantees here, but you have to think that that team is performing at a higher level. Right. Then, so we got the two net points that we're looking at. Then we're looking at the turnover differential. That one stat. That's the plus. That's the, that's plus. the plus. 
That's the plus. And we bring those two together for the bias plus report. So that's what we're about to show you. Let's get ready to rumble here, Mr. Dickerson, because I only throw out numbers. You get to have opinion. Here we go <laughs> with the bias plus report NFL week two, 2021. Let's start off with your squad. The Washington football team coming in to Giants Stadium. Bias plus score of 11 favors the Washington football team. Wow. Well, that's not a big bias. Uh, I think that Washington's defense kind of disappointed their fans a little bit. I think they were expecting a little bit more. And the fact that they have to travel to MetLife, uh, I don't know. It's not as big a deal as I wish it was. Mm, no, actually, it's not a big deal at all. They can take a bus ride up there. That's no big deal. But guess what? I'm going to take the Giants. And I'm not taking the Giants just because I'm a Giants fan. I'm taking the Giants because I'm not sure that Washington football team defensive secondary is as good, is as, good as some people are saying that it is. I believe Daniel Jones will have some success through the air and they have an opportunity to win this game. I'm going to take the Giants. Going to take the Giants, eh? And it's not because it's your squad. No. Not because it's your squad. So you think that Danny Dimes, with this questionable offensive line, is going to be ready to deal with that rush, that, that vaunt. What, what did you call the, the, the defense? The vaunted, the vaunted front seven. That's what I called them, but that's that's what everybody's been calling. Okay, that vaunted front seven, and what did I say they did last week? That vaunted front seven, they only had two sacks against the Chargers. Okay, they got a pick, they got a pick and a fumble recovery, and after that, Justin Herbert did what he had to do, and the Chargers front offensive line. Handled them boys. So obviously the Chargers front line is better than the Giants, but I'm going to take my shot. I'm going Giants. Going to take your shot. Going to take famous last words. All right. New Orleans Saints at Carolina Panthers. This is a bit of a tough one. Bias plus score is 33, favors the New Orleans Saints. Again, big win, held the, the Packers to three points, and that's how you get a big net point differential in your favor. Yes, yes. Uh, Panthers now have something on their hands. Ooh. Panthers' defense is a little improved. Um. Some people think what Jameis did last week was smoke and mirrors. This game could be really close. Uh, 33. Bias is not that big. 33 is not uh, that big? No, it's not. 
A bias of 33. We've seen biases of 80. Well, that's true. <laughs> but that's generally a little further into the, the season when you've had a chance to stack up some points. This is the this this is just one week under your belt. So I understand that, but I'm gonna look at it like this. The Carolina offense is not gonna completely crumble like the rate like the the, the Packers did. <laughs> Wait, wait. That's not going to happen. Wait, wait. That just sounds like something that you, you want to put in a time capsule to be able to say, yeah, I remember one time I actually said, the Carolina offense is not going to crumble like the Packers. Like the Packers did. That's right. And people will go, you know what? He was right. He was right. <laughs> okay, we shall see. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go with the Saints on this. Gonna go with- <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to agree with the bias. All right. And I'm going to go with the Let's go on with the bias on this one. Next up, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Chicago Bears. Bias plus score 26 favors Cincinnati Bengals because those Bears got handled by those Rams, and uh, they had a loss there. So, yeah, you had a positive and a big negative. What do you got? I'm going to stick with the bias and I'm going to go with the Bengals. I like the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. I like his receiving core and I do not like the Bears defense. Did we give any love to um, what's the gentleman's name? Chase, the receiver for the Bengals? Jamar Chase. Yes. He caught a big 50 yard bomb, 50 something yard bomb. Jamar yeah. Chase put the Mr. I can't the- catch the ball because there's no white stripe on it. <laughs> now I'm starting to think he made that up like it was a joke or something. <laughs> was I couldn't believe that when I read that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the ball's bigger and it doesn't have the white stripe on it. So when you're looking at it, it's hard to focus. Get out of here. But I did mention that I expected that 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 was not going to hold. Those drops were not going to continue. So nah. I do remember that. I'm, it's a, it's a speed of the game issue. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, so you're going with the bias here, right? Yes, sir. All right. Next up. Oh, man, the Houston Texans at Cleveland Browns. Bias plus score 25 favors the Texans. <laughs> Okay, forget about it. It can be again. This is the second preseason. The Browns didn't, the Browns lost by a small margin. The Texans won by a large margin. So just going with the numbers, that's what you got. Yeah, I hear you going by the numbers, but guess what? The Browns actually went toe to toe with the doggone Chiefs. Yes, they did. And the Texans took advantage of a rookie quarterback and a crappy defense. Everything's wrong. Blows them out. Cleveland blows them out. I'm going with Cleveland. Going with Cleveland. All right. I ain't mad at you. I can understand it. The numbers are what they are, but Cleveland don't have to get their act together. And let me ask you a question. What's up with yes, your sir. boy? Who, Odell? Odell back I'm not thinking about Odell right now. I ain't got time to think about Odell right now. Uh, <laughs> they're talking about how much he might not play. Can, can I had him on. Listen, I am a fantasy geek. Everybody listen to me. I'm a fantasy geek. I have 40-plus fantasy teams. Five of them are for money. The rest of them are for fun. I have Odell Beckham Jr. on two teams. I dropped him. I dropped him this morning. 
for other players. Oh, okay? my goodness. I got no time for him. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Former giant of all things. All right. Going with Cleveland to win big over the Texans and, and put them guys in their place. All right. Next up, Los Angeles Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. Bias plus favors the L.A. Rams by a score of 34. Colts defense is, the Colts defense is not living up to the hype. They could get better. I expect them to get better. But the Rams are firing on all cylinders right now. I got to go Rams. I'm going to stick I with the bias. I'm going to go Rams. Weren't you um, vehemently uh, uh, in disagreement with the way the, rate, the team ratings, Madden ratings had on the Colts? I remember you Probably, like really uh, thinking that they were rated way right. too low. Should have been a lot higher. You, you, you got to remember, Madden's not real. Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Jeez. All right, next up, Jacksonville Jaguars at Denver Broncos. Bias plus score 33 favors those Broncos. This one's easy. Go Broncos. Go Broncos, Ben. With the bias. Buffalo Bills, division game, going down to visit Miami, bias plus score of 10. Now, that's a small score. Favorites This is a tough one. <clears throat> this is a really, really tough one. Because if the Bills are downing themselves a little bit because of the way this last game went, Miami's feeling pretty good. The Bills know Miami have a good has a good defense. They're going to blitz. They're going to cover man to man. Josh got to get himself together, man. Oh my God, I don't know how to call this one. <laughs> this is a tough one. I don't usually I don't think this long about this. And but I just want to let people know I don't look at what's going going to happen the next week. I wait for this. So it's it's just coming to me. So I, I don't man. Very I believe in the Buffalo Bills. I, I believe in the Buffalo Bills. The bias is going with Miami, right? Yes, sir. I'm gonna go with the Bills. I believe the Bills are gonna go down to Miami and they're gonna take care of business. Josh Allen, baby. All right. Hopefully it won't be too hot for him down there because it gets hot, hot, hot down there in Miami, buddy. <laughs> All right. Another division game. New England Patriots at the New York Jets by his plus score of only three. <laughs> <laughs> Favors yeah. those Patriots. Now, both teams lost. So they were both in the negative in terms of uh, net points. But Patriots were less negative. So... Bias plus favorite those. Patriots. Okay. The, the greatest game planner in the NFL is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will throw so many different defensive looks at Zach Wilson. There's no way the Jets can win this game. Go with the Patriots all the way. All right. Going with the Patriots. Going with the bias. Yes. All right. Well, now the, the, the Raiders had uh, an exciting overtime win and now they got to go deal with those Steelers 
who had an exciting comeback against a good Bills team by his plus score of <laughs> this might be my intriguing game of the week at a, only a one favoring those Steelers. Uh, I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going to stick with the bias and go with the Steelers. I, there's, this may be a pretty entertaining game, but I believe that the Steelers will take care of business. The, the Raiders can't beat the Steelers. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, you know, in they Pittsburgh, both. In Pittsburgh with the terrible towels, not going to happen. You, you got the uh, newly signed defensive end, TJ Watts, being somewhat unstoppable. Did you hear that story? Which one? Tell hey, us. TJ Watts. So the Steelers made him an offer. They've been negotiating. So they're like, okay, dude, here's the offer. This is what we're going to give you. I forget the numbers. And his agent was like, nah, we can get more. And TJ was like, hey, go sit your ass down. <laughs> Went into the office, told the GM, where do I sign? Signed the contract, said, thank you. Excuse me. I got to go work out. Boom. Had Boom. A Had a good game. But by the same Yeah, I love a guy like that. The, the Raiders have an unstoppable tight end named Darren Waller. Okay. Still, still is that. Steelers. <laughs> All right, there you go. Next if you got up. Waller in fantasy, if you got Waller in fantasy, play him every single week. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a good idea. He is amazing. My beloved 49ers are coming into Philadelphia. I don't even have tickets, Benny. Shame Last on plus you. score of 19 favors the home team, Philadelphia Eagles. We were the top scoring team in the league, but we gave up so many points that our net points was low, and the Eagles won convincingly over the Falcons. Ergo, it is what it is. No bias, so, no conjecture. So, again, we live in Philadelphia. And all my friends that are Eagles fans think I'm some kind of hater, and I'm really not. I try to be a very objective fan. The Eagles actually surprised me a little bit, not a lot. I never said they were going to stink. I never said they were going to be horrible, okay? The young receiver core looks like it might be shaping up, and Jalen Hurts was very impressive in the first game. This could be a really good game. But I believe that the Niners will come in here and beat them. Okay. Would you happen to know if this is a one o'clock game or not? I can double check for you. Okay. Well, um, while you're checking that, I'm going to say this. I don't care if they play at 10 o'clock in the freaking morning. The Niners are going to beat the Eagles. So y'all going to take this L. Okay. But I do respect the Eagles for what they're doing. And their new coach seems to be on point. They have a lot of good young talent. Okay, but defensively, they're not going to be able to handle what the Niners are going to bring them. Not going to happen. One o'clock. Okay, well, that doesn't bode well for the Niners, but if they're smart, they'll come into town on Friday. I think they kind of generally do that now. Yeah, uh, well, that's with you. Yeah, they, they've done that. Uh, I think okay. most teams are beginning to do that now. So that's going to take that 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 West Coast to East Coast thing away. 
Look at this big, look at the big bias on the Arizona Cardinals over the Minnesota Vikings. They'll be hosting the Vikings, and they have a bias plus score of 31 favoring the Cardinals. At that win. 31. Wow. Yes, sir. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Dalvin Cook didn't have a great game, but he was pretty good. Kirk Cousins, he can still sling it. But freaking Kyler Murray, good Lord have mercy. That little dude can, gee whiz, this is a tough one. Nah, I'm going to go with the bias. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Going with the Cardinals. Yeah. Ah, could there be a lack of belief? And Kirk Cousins on your part? Mr. No, it's not necessarily like a belief on Kirk Cousins. It's a it's a it's a bigger belief in Kyler Murray. <laughs> he looked extremely for all the little jumping and jerking and jittering and all that stuff that he does. That's just who he is. That's his style. You know what I mean? It looks crazy and, and skittish. Okay, but the guy produced, man. He produced He's quick. <clears throat> quick, quick, and he can get himself in position to make throws as well as break out and run. He's quick, and he has a baseball arm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and he's he's pretty much understanding the offense. <clears throat> he understood it coming in, which is one of the reasons that he was there. Right now, this is like his second, third year. Yeah. All right, I'm with you. So. Bias Plus Report, NFL Week 2, Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bias Plus score 25, favors Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one's a no-brainer. Go with the Bucs. Going with the Bucs, eh? Yep. So, I think I gave Matty Ice. Did I give him too much respect? I'm thinking that. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to put it on him. They're just not that good, bro. And and listen, they got Mike Davis, who had a really good year last year when he was with Carolina, taking over from McCaffrey. Mike Davis is a really good running back. But they just can't. Ah. And their defense. What about your favorite rookie tight end? He can't he can't make plays if they can't get in the ball. Okay. I, I don't know what to say about the Falcons right now. I mean, the Eagles basically had their way with them. I don't right. there's no way I can pick them over the Buccaneers. Are you kidding me? Big question mark over the Falcons. All right. They, they, they might shut them out. <laughs> Ugh, that's an ugly, thought. ugly thought. Next up. All right, this should be a good one. Dallas Ooh, Cowboys one. at the L.A. Chargers. Bias plus score of only two. Two. Favorites wow. the Chargers. Wow. Okay. I've got to think about this one for a second. Well, I'll say this. We already said about the Cowboys, it was deja vu all over again. Big score from the offense. Big letdown from the defense, and then they wind up losing losing the game. Uh, that was kind of the situation with the Chargers last year. 
if if you're betting the over under and i don't even know what it is take the over <laughs> but i'm going to take the chargers because their offensive line was able to protect against the washington football team last week that alone is why i'm going to take the chargers if they keep herbert clean he gonna kill that dallas secondary he gonna rip them apart keenan allen looks like he's gonna have a big season mikey williams is in a contract year oh it's gonna be a problem not saying dallas not gonna do their thing but yeah i'm taking the charges going with the bias again slim score so we got we have a one bias and a two bias in this coming weekend here yeah those are close oh baby it's early though it's early that's what i'm talking about speaking of and again i said last week that in the 2020 season i kept looking at the titans defense going keep thinking this defense is supposed to be so good but they it keeps showing up on the bottom half of the D of the points against listings. And again, you know, just not looking like what I keep thinking the Titans defense is supposed to look like. And now they got to go up and deal with Russell, who's who's cooking some jambalaya. And I think he's got a few extra ingredients he's gonna mix in that mug, man. Bias plus score 39. Is this the highest bias of the weekend? So Favors the suit Seahawks. Let me throw a fantasy tidbit in. So I'm looking at stardom situm, right? And stardom situm is something that CBS, ESPN, NFL, the writers, they all have their little list of who you should start in fantasy and who you should sit. Like they'll tell you, yo, if you got this guy on your team, don't play him this week. Or if you got this guy on your team, play him this week. And a lot of them are saying to start Tannehill. Now, I didn't Are look at Tannehill. Yes, I didn't look at all the reasons why they said to do it, but I know that it has something to do with the Seattle defense. I think the Titans will have a bounce back game. I think Tannehill will throw the ball well to AJ Brown and to Julio Jones. And I think Derrick Henry will have a bounce back game. But I think Russ, DK, Lockett, and Carson will win the game. I'm going to stick with the bias. I'm taking the Seahawks. Rolling with the homies. This, this might be my intriguing game of the week. Oh, Titans at Seattle. And the noise is back. They got the fans in the stadium. Wealth man. Wealth man is back. Oh, man. All right. <sighs> Ooh, another good one. <laughs> and the bias plus score here. And the Chiefs at Baltimore Ravens favors the Chiefs with a score of just 11. A bit modest. I'm, I'm modest. glad this game is in Baltimore. Because if this game was in Kansas City, that might be a problem for for the Ravens, especially because 
Lamar was basically distraught about those two fumbles in the past game. Um, I don't know what kind of mental space he's in. I'm sure they're working on him over the week and they'll get him back into the facility and get him into practice and, and everything will be fine as far as him mentally is concerned. But it, it helps that this is a home game for the Ravens. Um, they could, in fact, give Kansas City some trouble. Uh, despite the bad look on the uh, final play of the game in the Raiders game when they scored and won uh, in overtime, the Baltimore defense and especially their secondary actually played fairly well um, under duress, uh, considering that the, the Raiders put the ball in the air 50 plus times. <laughs> I want to take Baltimore in this game. And Kansas City is not going to go undefeated this season. You know that. They're going to lose some games. And I want to be the one to pick the games that they lose. But doggone it, I don't know if I can pick this one. It's only 11? Just 11. Because, again, that the Kansas City Chiefs win was a barn burner with the Browns. So the, the differential was very small. You're absolutely right. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Going with the Ravens. Going the against fans, the bias. When the Chiefs go one and one, watch the fans start jumping out of windows. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know. I In the back of my mind, I keep thinking the Chiefs are not a get-right team. That ain't a team you want to get right against. So if you got to get right and Ravens need to get right, that's not a team. But let's keep a real close eye on that Ravens offense because, again, so much of that stuff seems to be, you know, evolving around running Lamar. And um, I'm really, you know, I got my fingers crossed. I understand what you're saying, but, you, but, but, but he, he was extremely upset about those fumbles. And – if nothing else, I think he has to consider not putting himself in harm's way so much. He a, good really, slide, a good slide here or there is all you need. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and he realizes that those two fumbles cost them the game. Those two fumbles put the Raiders in position to get themselves into overtime to get in position to win the game. He don't fumble those balls. Baltimore wins that game. So he knows that. And the Chiefs' defense ain't all that. Well, they gave up a bunch of points to the Browns, but we all expected that the oh, Browns yeah. are going to be a dynamic scoring squad. Yeah. Great running backs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we did talk about Latavius Murray now coming to the Ravens and helping the Ravens run game out, so we'll see how they fit him in there. Uh, Bias Plus is favoring the Chiefs, but Mr. Dickerson's taking the Ravens. Uh, Okay, going against the bias. Here we go. All right, this is the Monday night game. That Chiefs-Ravens game also is the Sunday night game. So these are two big games. And again. Go ahead, bro. Oh, ho, ho, time out. I'm going to sit back and listen to you talk about the Lions. You've been dying to talk about the Lions all night. Go for it. Go for it. Tell me about the Lions. Go ahead. 
Well, first off, let's just read the Bias Plus report. Dot Detroit Lions at. Well, they got to go into Green Bay, much less, and do this. Bias Plus score thirty-one favors the Detroit Lions. Right now, the Packers looked really bad against the Saints. Nobody is nobody is accusing the Lions' defense of being at the level of the Saints defense. Obviously, they gave up the mo most points uh, in week one to my 49ers. But they also showed a lot of grit. Jared Goff is, is there. Um, you, you know, he's no scrub quarterback. He, they're figuring it out there. They got their running back coach. Some people would disagree with you. Their running back, huh? Some people would disagree with you about golf. Okay. okay. Their running back coach is the ex-Eagle assistant running back coach. <laughs> right? I mean, they got some new, they got some new leadership there. Um, they their their tight end is not bad. They got a nice tight end. Oh, he's nice. Hawkinson is nice. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I my my contention is if you got a good tight end, you can be competitive. And the Packers defense, uh, you know, they got some questions. So can Aaron write the offensive ship? Probably. You think he has – we know he has the capability. We just don't know where they stand in this second preseason. Obviously, the, 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 the bias favors the Lions. And that's, you know, it, I think that the Lions are going to be competitive. I don't know if they're going to actually be able to beat the Packers. But I don't think the Packers is just going in there and, and just riding the ship, you know, and turning around and putting a 20, 30-point whipping on the Lions. I, I don't necessarily see that. Well, I'm not going to say that they're going to put a 30-something point whipping on the Lions. And, and while we're saying that, and the bias plus score is actually 31, let's remind people, this is not a point spread. Okay? It's not a point spread. We look at the 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 the... I'll let you explain it. Go ahead. You explain because you explain it better than I do. That 31 points that favors the Detroit Lions is not a point spread. It's based on their net points in week one, as opposed to Kansas City, as opposed to Green Bay Packers net points. So we don't want people to think that we think Detroit is favored by 31, but they have a 31 point bias based on what they did last week as opposed to what Green Bay did last week. Is that a good explanation? I'm with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, that being said, I believe Green Bay will bounce back and would bounce back against whoever they play. They will fix whatever went wrong last week. Also, although the Detroit Lions scored 33 points last week, they gave up 41 and they lost the game and they fell behind early and had to play catch up, which is kind of the MO for a not really good team. So I'm going to go with the Packers. This is probably one of the easiest ones I picked. There's no way that the Packers lose to Detroit. And I believe that the Packers will in fact jump on them early run up a score and I don't care what the final score is the Packers will win the game 
going with the Packers, going against the bias. And, and again, I understand it. You know, we understand what the bias is saying. That's why we only call it. Yeah, it's, it's early in the season. So you're going to see some stuff that looks a little wacky, you know. But by the time we get to like week four, week five, week six, everybody's going to understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, that that's that's why we have to get through this second preseason. Guys are playing together who didn't really get a chance to play together during the season. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's again, that's the great thing about what we do. You gotta watch this show, people. We went over every linebacker room, every secondary room, every wide receiver room, every quarterback room, every running back room. There was a lot of movement in free agency. And where it helps or hurts the most, in my opinion, is the defensive secondary. Because you can shuttle receivers in and out. You guys out there that play in the PTTFL, play flag, flag football, you know. You can move receivers around. You can flip-flop. You can put them in position, okay? But defensively, your secondary, you need two corners, two linebackers, two safeties and tackle, or, you know, in, in, in flag football, two corners, two linebackers and a safety. They have to play together. They need to play as a unit. If they don't play as a unit, you're going to have problems. So I believe it's the same way in the NFL, college, and what have you. When you get – when you – uh let a safety in a corner go and then you pick up in free agency so to speak or trade and you pick up a new safety and a new corner you don't just plug them in you know what i mean they have to be able to work as a unit with the guys that are already there they have to fit the schemes they have to be good at zone or good at man or good at both or at least really good at what your defensive coordinator really likes to run. You don't want him to have to change his scheme because of your skills and hurt the other three guys that were already there last year. You know what I mean? It's tough. So there was a lot of movement this offseason. And I think that's another reason why some of these defenses that we thought were going to be really good are kind of struggling. Well, that's the fun of the season, as you said. You know, we, we constantly get some surprises. Um, you, you, nothing's 100%. I didn't calculate. Well, we didn't do a bias plus because, again, week one, there are no points. So, you know, and so we, we decided, you know, we're just, you know, it's everybody's at zero. You just go from there, man. Go from even, you know. So some, some teams got out the, out the starting block a little quicker than other guys. All right. So much fun with the Bias Plus reports for the matchups for week two. Uh, that's in the books. Ben's made his decisions. The Bias Plus is there. Remember, you can go to the Sterling Netpoint Power Rankings on Facebook to see all of that information that we just posted, both the Netpoint Rankings, points for points against, turnover differential, and the matchups in the form of the Bias Plus reports. All right. Last segment of the show, we go back to Ben and Barry on football, the Facebook page, and we share some of those topics for discussion, and we will move through them somewhat quickly, of course, but I don't know, Ben, 
depends on how much is in that glass there and uh, how, how quickly we get through <laughs> this next section. But let's see if I can do this right. I think you enjoyed this. Oh, this was crazy. This was hilarious, bro. I love this. This fantasy league, they decided to run the 40 for draft order. Yes, yes. So, so under normal circumstances, if you draft online, then the computer just randomly selects the draft order. But if you have a live draft, which is what a lot of people do when they, when they have a league with their friends, you either pick numbers out of a hat or, you know what I mean? Or you go by how the previous season went. So the guy that was in last, he picks first. And the guy that won the championship, he picks last and so on, like normal. These guys decided to run the 40-yard dash and use their times to determine their draft order. And these cats is popping hammies and blowing out quads. Oh, look at this. Oh, yo. I'm like looking at this. And I'm like, insane, yo. And they don't look like they're too out of shape. You that's know? a groin right there. Oh, that's going to take oh, a while. That's a groin. Yeah, that's a groin. That's a oh, my goodness. Oh, he, one he guy, he just won. grabs his leg. Oh, <laughs> this guy right here. Oh, that's a hammy. Oh. oh, I know a hammy when I see one. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, yeah. That's that... crazy. <laughs> Bro. Oh, you got to love it. You got to love it. You, you got to love it. All right. Um, Let's see if we can go to the next thing up here. And, Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster. What? What, you what are we going to do with Juju? Oh, this is, this is, uh, this is. Come the on, milk man. crate challenge. You are a highly paid millionaire athlete and you're doing the milk crate challenge right before the beginning of the season. Who, who, how old is this guy? 15. What is he doing? First of all, if you watch these milk crate challenges, if you watch enough of them, you will see that a lot of times when these people fail and they fall, they really hurt themselves. <laughs> Can you imagine you fall from maybe nine, 10 feet in the air and hit your back on a hard ass plastic milk crate? It's gotta hurt, bro. It's gotta hurt. I I've seen some bad ones. I've seen some bad ones. But, you know, Mike Tomlin, as usual, handled it with class. I'm sure he pulled him to the side and spoke to him about it. Um, well, he got funny. asked about it in the press release, so he had to talk about it. You know? He had to talk about it. And I'm sure that was the last thing he wanted to talk about, you know. So, again, sometimes you have to let these players, and they're young, and you have to let them know that, you know, there's some things – that I would rather not have to talk about. There's some things that I would rather not have to address with the press. I like to keep it football. That's my job. That's what I'm good at. So don't be bringing this other mess into the equation, you know? Cause now you mess, now you, 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 you messing with my job now. 
you know? Juju seems intent on having social social media content. Big time on social media, big time. TikTok, all that. I don't, I don't. All right, young. enough mm -hmm. of that silliness. Not so silly is the situation that the Saints find themselves in where they've got coaches testing positive for COVID-19 in the facility. Now, the thing is this, the NFL does a fantastic job of testing as far as who's coming in and out of their facility. Again, we talked about it last week, vaccinated players once a week, unvaccinated players every day. I think they're going to change that too, by the way. And that's what the union wanted. And that's what I said needed to happen because they right. were not accounting for the Delta variant, which then makes vaccinated people contagious, even if it doesn't make them very ill and die. Right. So um, I think the whole NFL now really has to take a look at this protocol and actually get their act together. And again, my question is, is this going to extend at some particular point um, to the fans? You know, um, I'm beginning to see more numbers and the numbers are disturbing, uh, but we shall see. All right. Benny, uh, there was a, a Met Gala this past weekend. Bro, don't tell me we're going to talk about the Met Gala. Are you you know, it's funny. You, I, you were actually on Facebook talking about, who was it, Pam? Um, what's the name on the sideline? Oh, Pam Oliver. Pam Oliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was surprised that you even got into that conversation. Oh, don't be surprised. Let me tell you something. Pam Oliver has been on television as a sideline reporter for a number of years. She, if I remember correctly, she was on the sideline before Lisa Salters. She was on the sideline for a long time. And I've been seeing her for a long time. And I have yet to see her with a decent hairdo. Bro, it's embarrassing. First of all, the whole idea of a black, look, I'm married to a black woman. I have two black daughters, okay? The whole idea of wearing a wig is to make it look as natural as possible, meaning it should be well kept and it should be able to, I don't know if I'm using the right word, uh, stand up to the elements. If you know you're doing sideline reporting in Chicago, the Windy City, <laughs> you don't wear a freaking straight fall wig no no you got no part her freaking head she doesn't have a forehead she doesn't have a forehead she has an eight head okay what come on i cannot believe we're talking wigs on ben and barry on football here she's not a bad looking woman she's not a beautiful woman she's not a bad looking woman her she need better old heads, bro. Well, what about this? Ciara with the Seahawk gown. I think that's great. 
I think that's great because she love her man. <laughs> so you all with it, eh? I'm all with it. She's supporting her man. She sure. I have no problem with that. She sure is. You gotta love them, man. I mean that that combination of Ciara and Russell, they really getting that in, man. You know, they really doing a lot. They showed up somewhere, Benny. Um, they showed up somewhere, like just bringing food and books and you know all types of stuff. Uh, so you know, yeah, they're, they're always doing something great in the community. All right, you cannot dislike Russell Wilson. You just can't. No, no, it's you know, hard, man. It, it, it's it is really it is really hard. It is really hard. Okay, who's up next? We have a little something that we want to share here. Just a little quick article. You know, football is life, and Josh. Uh, Gordon, oh, Josh is back. He's he's potentially back. The the Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner. Uh, who does he belong to? Play, and he's vaccinated. Of course, he is. Does he still belong to the Seahawks? Uh, looks that way from the from the um picture that they got, but it really doesn't say. Okay, I have to double check that. That's something um, got to check, man. But you know. I believe in second chances. I'm not sure I believe in fifth and sixth chances. I don't know what the, the obsession is for Goodell with Josh Gordon, but I really think Goodell is rooting for Josh Gordon. Like this guy should have been put on the shelf a long time ago. I, I, <laughs> But he keeps getting chance after chance after chance. And believe me, he's earned his chances because he follows the protocols and he fought. I failed. Okay. What do I have to do? Then he does it. Right. Right. Can I, can I apply for reinstatement? Well, according to the rules, yes, you can. Okay. I'm applying. Then he fails another test and they're like, so what do I have to do now? And he said, well, you got to do this. And he does it. <laughs> when can I apply for reinstatement? They said, well, according to the rules, if you do this from here to here, you can apply for reinstatement. And he does. You know what I mean? The guy's not dumb. He knows what he's doing. He just has to conquer his problem. I just hope and pray that if, in fact, he does conquer the problem, that he still has enough skill set left to make an impact in the league. Yeah, he 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 uh, tremendously talented, no doubt about it. Yeah. No, no doubt about it, man. All right. That's a troubled young man who might have a second chance. Want to mention here that we have our first black female NFL referee history man Maya Chaka. Big time. Big congratulations. So we definitely had to throw throw her in here. Uh, I didn't know a lot about her. Um, I don't know if you, if you have, a, you know, much about her. I know she went to an HBCU. It escapes me as to which one it was at this point. Uh, if we could find that really quick, I'd like to give that a shout out. Um, but she's been a health and physical education teacher at Renaissance Academy in Virginia Beach. So she uh, 
and it's, she was forced to adapt based on the COVID-19 situation. What's her last name? Chaka. Chaka, right. Like Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan. So anyway, we'll, we'll put some more information on her, but that's on Ben and Barry on football uh, on the page. And you can go visit Ms. Uh, some more information on Miss Chaka. All right, who's up next here? Ben, I wanted to include this because we have been on top of the situation with Deion Sanders. <laughs> and what we did not talk about was his sons, both of which are on Jackson State with him. Yep. And funny, I have an actual Facebook friend who works at Jackson State. And I just I had to put it together because she was posting all the stuff about Jackson State, but it had nothing to do with football. And I'm like, is that the same Jackson State? But he has uh, two sons, Shiloh and Shador. Mm -hmm. And Shador is the quarterback. Uh, Shiloh, I think, is a is a D back like his dad. Yes. And uh Deion played a little quarterback in his time um, before the NFL. Uh, one of the reasons that they said that he was so good at reading quarterbacks is because he understood that position, having dabbled in it at, at some particular point. Okay. Um, and his sons are, apparently are coming in highly touted out of high school. I mean, they're, they're on those lists of the top uh, high school football players in the nation. So... And this is kind of neat because they actually are kind of doing the interview and they're talking to their father about what he wants to accomplish at Jackson State. So it's a really great interview and you get to hear Dion talk about the bigger picture as mm -hmm. he sees his impact on the HBCUs, not just Jackson State, but the HBCUs in general. And we've heard yeah. him kind of talk about it but he really kind of puts it together in a great little conversation that he has with his sons here. So um, I wanted to make sure I included that, give people a chance to come and kind of listen to what Dion has to say and about how he's, you know, helping that he wants to help the HBCUs really begin to prep their young athletes for that next step and be considered right. as legitimate a place to go play football to prepare for the NFL as yes. any other NCAA team. Yes. All right. Just yes, that's it. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I don't, I'm not going to say nothing bad about Prime. That's my man. Oh, no, nothing I, bad. I think what he's doing is great. I think that uh, when you see other NFL players who you never would have thought would be interested in coaching, all of a sudden deciding, yes, I think I can coach. And I would like to coach at an HBCU, even the ones who didn't go to HBCUs, like a guy like um, a lot Eddie, of those. Eddie George. Yeah. Eddie George from Philly, went to Abington, okay, played for Ohio State, okay, is now a head coach at an HBCU. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. But it's Dion for kind of inspiring him and showing him that this can be done, that you can make an impact, you know? And I think that's great. I think it's freaking tremendous. So, you know, some people don't like Dion. Some people think he talks too much and this, that, and the other. But his heart is in 
in the right place. And if he's able to make a, a difference with young black men, I'm all for him. I don't care. I'm all for him. There you go. There you go. All right. We're going to wrap it up with this, Ben. I, I saw this and I, I just had to share it. Um, but these are the NFL put out these uh, this NFL 100 uh, great pictures. And let's see if I can. There it is. Can you see this? You see the picture there? Oh, are these from Sports Illustrated? Um, I'm not, no, this is from the NFL. This is the NFL themselves. In the gallery. Yeah, but I tell you what, a lot of these pictures were taken by Sports Illustrated photographers because I recognize them. But that's okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that that's that's hot, man. That's great. That's that's classic stuff right there. Oh man, I'm telling you. Do they have the picture of Lenny Dawson smoking a cigarette on the bench? <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, but I haven't looked at all of them yet. I remember. Um, There's look, look, see that? See this? Uh, see, I mean, you can't see my thing. The picture of Dion's San Francisco 49ers uniform. Put your pointer on it. Right here. Yes. Everybody look at that. He did that before every game. Every game. <laughs> he laid his uniform out as if he was in it. <laughs> so he could make sure it was right before he put it on. Before he put it on. Oh, my goodness. So much good stuff. So feel much. Great, good feel stuff. great. Feel great. Play great. Come on. Let's go. Mm, mm, we are true football fans, so all of that kind of stuff, man, we, we get great pleasure and excitement out of all of that, man. And again, all of that's at Ben and Barry on football. Um, we have the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings, both of which are on Facebook. And you can reach both of those locations at www.benandbarryonfootball.com. Okay. Well, Benny, we put in some work today. We sure did. I'm just looking real quick. I've been trying to find out where uh, uh, Maya Chaka is from. She's from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm still unable to real quick. I'm not good at this. Find out what school she went to, but we know she went to an HBCU. So I guess we'll have that information for you next week. But uh, she is from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, there have been female officials in the league's history, but she's the first black one. Norfolk State. So she's a Virginia girl through and through. <laughs> <laughs> she's from right. Virginia Beach and she went to Norfolk State. Norfolk and Virginia Beach are right next to each other. Are they? That's Allen Iverson country too, by the way. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, we, the facts are here. The facts are here. We've put in the information. We've gone over week one. We've shown you the top 10 lists and all of those most important categories. We've gone through the Bias Plus reports for the matchups for week two. We've looked at some of the fun issues on Ben and Barry on football. <clears throat> and uh, before we sign off, we have... One question to ask Mr. Dickerson. Do you have anything left to say? 
Go Knowles. 